Welcome back to All the Things with Luke Tim. I am Luke Tim, and today I was joined by my good friend, Kelly. I know you guys love him. Um, get a lot of good feedback when he's on the show. He's a great guy. Today we wanted to um, start our jump-off point was immigration. Obviously, that's a, a hot topic right now in our country with all of the shenanigans and stuff that have been going on. So it seemed like um, as good a topic as any. So... We talked immigration, we talked prison um, system, we talked uh, people, how to treat people. Man, we talked about, as usual, everything. And a couple of um, fun stories from Kelly. He's, he's got great stories. <laughs> I really, really like listening to the things he says. But I'm kind of a military buff. Uh, as much as I'm critical of our military, it, it doesn't mean I don't love it. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. I sure did. We'll have Kelly in again, um, maybe even to talk. Uh, at the end here, we kind of even said this is going to have to be a part two because we go two and a half hours about in this whole thing. So um, if you want to get a hold of me uh, for a topic or somebody else to talk to, please do that. I'll share that information at the end of the podcast. Otherwise, um, please welcome my friend, Kelly. All right, now we're both on. Now we are both on. I did the same thing I've done like four different times, and I start recording, and only one mic is, is actually recording. But now we're both on. Kelly's I think back. this is the first time you've done it to yourself. Normally you do it to me. I, yeah, right. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was you that – Yeah, like you the first Brandon 10 minutes and... of the conversation. <laughs> like, hmm, okay. Yeah, welcome back, Kelly. How you been, man? Good. Good to be back. Like I was saying earlier, I don't get invited for you know second repeat performances very often, so this is kind of exciting. Been good. Been busy. Yeah. Working, working, but... That's cool, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a little bit late start in this <clears throat> podcast. You can hear my voice. I'm a little gravelly and stuff still because I'm trying to get back from Kenya. That was a, an awesome trip, but it sucks. Dude, nine-hour time change oh. is just brutal, but um, I'm almost there. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get off of the Ambien because I'm going back in, like, three weeks, Ooh. going back to Kenya and I'll be back on the Ambien, and that, that's it makes me nervous because it's like technically addictive, right? Um, but I don't know, like it. So they say it's addictive, but why would you take it? You only take it to go to sleep. It's not like a fun party drug where you're like, "Wee!" There's lots of things that there's lots of things that are addictive. That doesn't mean that you don't <laughs> take them. It means you, you know, you use them for the purpose that they're designed for. And yeah. When that starts to become a problem, that's when you know. You're addicted. I definitely had a problem on this last trip, um, but it wasn't with the, it being addicted to it. It was um, – I I really don't enjoy flying. I'm not afraid of flying. I just – it sucks. Flying sucks. Yeah. Planes suck. Um, so I'm with I, you. I prefer to not experience it. So when I get on the plane, I take an Ambien and uh, um, it's called a clonazepam. It's a benzo. Mm-hmm. So basically a, a long-term Xanax, an Ambien. I'm familiar a, with them. And a, <laughs> and a whiskey. That's my <clears> – <throat> And a whiskey. That's awesome. Yeah. So – and then I wake up and I'm in a different airport and it's fine. Yeah. So the whole flight thing. <laughs> so I do that twice and the second time is always a little bit harder because I've just had eight hours of good sleep. So I do it again and I may have to add a second whiskey. 
coming back this time I had, I was like, I'm, I've been like 20 hours of sleep and I've got one eight hour flight left. So I took two Ambien's, a Benzo and it turns out, I don't recall this, but it turns out I had six whiskeys <laughs> and because I, I, I was gone. I was completely punch drunk in more ways than, in more ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> I had, so the ambient just, um, it does, it can do weird things to you. Yeah. Um, like ask Roseanne bar, right? So I woke up and I'm hearing these stories about how I got lost on the airplane. Um, I don't recall it at all. I, I'd gotten up to go to the bath. This is before the whiskeys. This is just on the Ambien. Um, I'd gotten up to go to the bathroom and I couldn't find my seat. Somebody had to come and get me and, and put me back in my seat. So, yeah, two Ambien is is too many. I knew. Yeah, that's probably not good. <laughs> that's your pastor. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, this next one I'm I'm trying to dial back the Ambien a little bit because that's a little bit sketchy, but. Uh, I thought I'd have you on to talk about um, immigration stuff. I mean, this is – I mean, you're a hardline right-wing conservative nut job, so obviously <laughs> – Wow, I am? <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Well, you served in the military. That means yeah. you, you hate brown people and – Of course. Um, you, you don't want anybody to cross our borders, right? Right, which is why my son <laughs> – Carlos, yeah, <laughs> who was adopted, is of Mexican origin. Yeah, because I'm just totally against that. Yeah, whatever. It just seems weird. Like, so we we were chatting just a little bit before this started. It seems like if you um, are if you have this sort of conservative, well, let me see it from the other direction. If you're for closed borders. You're probably also conservative. If you're for more open borders, you're probably also liberal left. So, why? Why is it that that those mindsets line up that way? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the things that comes to my mind when I hear that is I was uh, listening to a podcast the other day that you had done with I think it was Brandon. Yeah, that's in the Wednesday Bible study. Yeah. And you guys hit a point that I've really been kind of processing a lot where it talks about tribalism, mm-hmm. where everybody, you know, that's our, for a lot of people, that's their security. Like, this is this is my tribe. This is my tribe. And I think the danger of that, and I think you and Brandon talked about it, is if you deal with people who are in any way or in some way unsure of their identity, they're going to latch on to that tribalistic theory grab something is it's going to give them something that they don't have which is purpose meaning and a place to fit in and so i think the danger is if your identity is not rooted in the right places you're going to grab onto that right so i think that happens a lot i mean i don't know that's just one guy's take on it I, i think we're so hungry to feel like we fit in somewhere um and i think another key part of it is there is a lot of angry people in America that are upset with the way this administration, prior administrations, left or right, have dealt with this issue. Yeah, And now it's just boiled over to where a lot of these people that are pro-Trump maybe aren't even pro-Trump. They're just angry and they're glad finally somebody is like – putting their fists down right. and saying, we're going to deal with this. Yeah, I was thinking that um, this is not unlike the gun control debate where 
I am convinced, and I think you're on the same page, that we don't want to solve this problem because if the, the right wants it to be something that they can rally against and be like, hey, they're trying to take your guns, and the other side can be like, they don't like people. They just want to shoot everybody and try and try – and, um, so if, if gun control, reasonable gun control happened and everybody was happy, then Republicans, Democrats, each would not have <laughs> a platform to – bitch about you know there wouldn't be anything to yell at the other guy about and that is what we call utopia yeah yeah and so like if we solved immigration then republicans couldn't yell and and stomp their feet about how there's there's so many people coming across the border and taking jobs and and liberals couldn't complain about um caring about people from another country like we'd all be happy and that's the worst thing possible because rage career politician yeah rage is best for voting yeah you know, trying to get somebody to vote because they're pissed off is better than trying to get somebody to vote because they're happy about something. And I think within that, one of the things that you and I often talk about um, is when, when we're talking about different issues or, or anything really is one of the things that we always circle back to and I use a lot when I'm talking with people is the issue is not, not the, the issue. issue. <laughs> so – What's the issue? The issue is immigration. Yes, the issue is immigration. I think for me, what I try to do when I have these conversations with people is not necessarily, first off, fix all the problems, but get people to reconsider their starting point. Yep. You know, because so many times we jump into this conversation and the first thing is we got to secure borders. No, we got to have open borders. Okay, well... Here's my deal. We need to have secure borders, okay? Um, if you don't have secure borders, you don't have a country. I've heard that phrase before. Yeah, I think that some guy named Trump said it. Yeah. Now, hold on. Before you go off <laughs> No, I heard me, it before I am, Trump. Yeah. I am not in any way a, a Trumpster, anything like that. But if I'm going to be realistic and just take things on what the man says, because let's be honest, he's in the middle of it right now. Him yeah. and Sessions are like – they're like the the focal point of it. Either you you know it's. Yeah. There's another book I read something that said something about he who is not for me is against <laughs> me. You know. <laughs> so anyway, no, I'm not comparing Trump to Christ. <laughs> Please don't. But, yeah, not at all. I, quite frankly, I think from a morality standpoint, I think the guy is. I just I find him deplorable. Yeah. But there are things that the man has said that is true, and one of them is – I'm not going to give him the credit for coming up with it. But if we don't have borders, we don't have a country. So that being said, I also find the way that we're dealing with the current situation to be gut-wrenching and heartbreaking. Right. I want secure borders. I want to feel secure within my country. I also don't want to rob people of their God-given Glory and the Imago Day that is given to every person that we hear about in Genesis. So you're claiming that these people from Mexico are people. They're people. <laughs> yeah, I got another side note on that. One of the things that drives me nuts is the term illegal alien. Right. I'm sure this will come up later, but to me that's just a joke because, number one, how can a person be illegal? Right. A person is not illegal. <laughs> like, when you say illegal alien, newsflash, you sound like an idiot. And you probably think I sound like an idiot, and that's okay because I'm right and you're wrong. Well, yeah, people – yeah, I agree. And, and that's a that's a standard left talking point that I completely agree with that people aren't illegal. Now, you can be doing something illegal. 
and and a lot of people do things illegal. And it's this magical um, thing called citizenship that means that if you're doing something illegal, well, that's you know you still have your rights, you still have this, you still have that, and you're you're more of a person. But if you're not a citizen in this country and do something illegal, it's as though some somehow you're not a person. We can just you know persecute you, beat you, kill you. It's it's unreal. Well, I think the term illegal alien is used to dehumanize immigrants or people that are coming over or seeking asylum or seeking a new way of living. Because when we can dehumanize them, then we can divorce ourselves from thinking of them as actual human beings made in the image of God. Um, And for some, this can be a defense mechanism to serve against feelings of sympathy, like, you know— this is a line that I find that I'm on a lot because, like I said, I I do want secure borders. I do. But, man, the, the, to see some of the stuff I'm seeing on the news and to know some of the stuff that I know, and not just on the news, just to talk to some people that I know that have been through this process um, that are living in fear right now, and they're not even illegal. Yeah. Supposedly, they're not. You know, they're not in the wrong. They're still living fearful. Oh yeah, and it, it's heartbreaking. And to me, if that if that doesn't concern you, we've got to readjust our starting point. Our starting point isn't immigration. Our starting point becomes humanity. Yeah, because if you can't see that, I, like I, I said, I'm not a fan of memes, but the one that was like, <laughs> you know, we don't have a political issue. If you don't think this is wrong, we don't have a political issue. We've got a morality issue. Yeah, and um, the whole process of naturalization, becoming a citizen, I think is is so archaic and moronic. Oh. So, I mean, I, I I work with the Kenyans here in um, in Des Moines a lot, and many many of them have gone through the process, and I've walked with them through it. Right, <clears throat> I've gone to the court hearings, which is one of the coolest, like. If you've ever been proud to be an American, it's when you're standing in a courtroom watching somebody become a naturalized citizen or a judge. The the judge who does it in Des Moines, by the way, does it um, of her own free time. So it's it's like this weird thing. It's a it's a thing that some judges are annoyed by because it's in in their opinion not real work. You know, they're not. You you basically are stamping something with it. And I don't remember her name, but I was going to say I wish we knew her name because we should give her some. Yeah, kudos to her. She she gives up her vacation time. And it's like a couple of times a year where she she you know, all these people are in there, and all she has to do is say, "Okay, you passed the test, you did the stuff, you signed the paperwork, and then stamp it." And she, nope, she goes on about what it means to be an American. She lets people talk, um, and it's this whole like I was there in this courtroom that was packed. It was standing room only when <clears throat> my friend Elodad was was officially brought into citizenship, and it was like, I mean, everybody was just smashed into this spot mm-hmm. and we're all excited there's cheering and clapping all the stuff that you would never do in a courtroom and she's like take pictures which you're not supposed to do in a courtroom like all this stuff this judge was like rock and roll and it, i was like man this is what um it's about but it's, it's a lot like the adoption court it is yeah but but i get it with adoption it's adoption should be kind of hard you know right i mean like the celebratory <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. one time where the judges are like you know but personally, the same way. Like the judge that did our adoption for Carlos um, had said that she was getting ready to go on, like she was getting ready to go on vacation. Yeah. So if she couldn't have got it cleared on that day, that's why we were so yeah. jumped on that day right away. She would have been on vacation. Now she told us 
if we can't get it today, I will come in on my vacation. Yeah, I will find an open courtroom and I will come in on my vacation and I will do it because I know how long you guys have, have yeah. worked for this. But again, like this is one of the first judges I've ever been in front of that didn't want to like – yeah, put me away. So I was like, I, I, I don't want to like. I don't want you to come in on your day off. I'm on your good side. I don't want you. To, I don't want to be on your bad side. I may yeah. need your help in the future. <laughs> but yeah, as far as it being hard, it should be hard for adoption because we're, you know, there's yeah, and it should be somewhat. It, I don't know about hard, but it should be somewhat laborious for for immigration. I think it should well. be in- intensive. Yeah, I think there needs to be. You know, I don't think we just go, hey, whatever, dude, come on over. Like, I agreed, but I mean, but so let's make it practical, man, because there's yeah. stuff on that. Here's the, immigration always goes to Mexicans, right? yeah, or yeah. or Hispanics or whatever the term you want to use. Latin Americas, Latinas, Latinos, whatever. I'm just yeah. going to say Hispanics, because right now it all goes to Hispanics. But you know, I got a friend that that I made that I used to work for. He's not in the Des Moines area anymore, but he came from China. And he was one that really like – he has citizenship in America now and he was the one that really opened my eyes to it. And it was just like the stuff that they make you do. Yeah, it's stupid. Because I was joking with him one time about being a citizen and you know me. I'm kind of a trash talker, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Kelly, I probably know more about the the American history and American government and politics <laughs> – than you do, and yeah. I and and I'm a, a 50 year old guy from China, and I was like, what? And he pulled out his documents, and we started going through some of the stuff, and I was like, who the hell knows that? And why is that useful? Why to is be that an American? Useful? Yeah, right. It's <laughs> yeah. just it's just pointless. Yeah, that, um, there's 300 what 320 or so million people in this country, and 319 of them know less than those who would take the test for immigration. Yeah, I mean it's it's ridiculous that we we make them go through this. But so I I think that process should be streamlined and, and made a lot easier. But that doesn't make me an open borders guy. No. So from um, but I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to understand this. If I, well, it makes you a hypocrite because you don't yeah. believe just everybody should come in, right? That makes you uh, yeah. right. And I and I and I'm not a. I don't think any issue is so simple that it is. You're either for open borders or you're for closed borders. It seems like there there ought to be a way that there's a middle ground, uh, and that's what huh. keeps frustrating me. Is is we can't find Genius. some way. Yeah, it's like with any it's that way with issue. every issue though. Well, yeah. it's either you're either for guns. Or you're against guns. Yeah. Okay. No, it's not that simple. I, I am for gun reform. Yeah. Because there's there's too much bad stuff happening in our country. Right. But I don't fall into the camp that says the way to reform it is just to ban all these guns. Because we've seen that doesn't work. Right. And there's there's got to be another way. And that's where I try to get in that middle ground and go, okay. Yeah. What, what are we doing here? And it, Sometimes so, I think it's just because we have such short – uh, attention spans and, and we're so busy that like hey i need you to dump hey i, I just need this to be a or b just yeah. give me that don't don't make me think <laughs> just well, give me like a or we b said earlier tribalism <laughs> yeah yeah so in, in a way that makes sense our tribe is pretty small yes the guys the, the you know like at, at least if there's more out there we haven't connected with them and grown with them yet yeah but there's a whole lot of people that are close the borders nobody gets in unless you're born here or open them up and let everybody in Right. You can jump into either one of those two camps and you'll have a bunch of people that you instantly connect with. Yeah. But I but I still don't get that phrase. If we don't have borders, we don't have a country. Why? Like whenever I hear that, I, I look at somebody and go, why? 
<laughs> well, I mean, shockingly, it's probably that uh, President Trump did did not. He <laughs> spouted that off because somebody said, "Hey, this is what you should tell him, yeah. Don." And <laughs> he didn't put any thought to it. When I hear that, here's what I think, and that's a, <clears throat> you know, this is something that doesn't get discussed a lot. So this is just kind of off the cuff, but. To have a country, you have to have borders, okay, physical borders. Because if not, where does – do you have rights and do you have privileges as an American citizen? Yes. Okay, so those are granted to you within the the boundaries of your country. For example, you have a permit to carry that is in Iowa. Yep. Is that permit valid in Minnesota? Yours might be depending on where. Yeah, exactly. Where you have it. So, so I'm good in about 45 right. states. Okay, so you're good in about 45 states. Yeah. Let's take one of the states that you're not good in: Illinois. California or New York. Yeah, Illinois. Illinois. California. So if you go to Illinois and you're outside the physical borders of Iowa, mm-hmm. do your gun rights still apply to you? Nope. No. Okay, so it's a method of containing privileges. Right. Okay, those are our borders. Here's another way to look at it. As a Christian, do we have borders? Yes. Yes, we do. What's one thing that shapes those borders? God's law. The Ten Commandments, God's law. Okay, so when we operate within those borders, we can be pretty sure that we're okay. We start operating outside of those borders. Right. Bad things start to happen. Is it because God is evil or is it because... We're operating outside of our borders. We're operating outside of our borders. Right. So borders are essential to security. Borders are essential to, to structure and organized living. Right. And and getting the good things in life. How we navigate those borders, how we establish those borders, the principles and policies that we use to put the practices in play regarding those borders – are key issues. Yeah. Borders aren't bad. I mean, let's look at any let's look at any country that just has open borders. And I know yeah. you're I know you're going to tell me like <laughs> Kenya. Or well, I, they don't have open borders, but they just they treat people. So, and my counterpoint, and I, and I I'm gonna it's a little bit of devil's advocate because I don't really uh, no, I 100% it. subscribe to this. Is that you go and, and using your example of Christian borders? I am a Christian with my borders living in a foreign land. Absolutely. So what if instead of we treated um, – what if the borders that we're talking about are personal borders? What if American citizenship isn't determined by uh, a line on a map but is determined by the the physical being that I am? And we do this in some ways. Like, So if you go to another country, you have to abide by their laws. Right. But if shit goes sideways, you have American citizenship and privileges that are are going to be a little bit different depending on the country, right? I mean, there's some right. countries where you have zero or a U.S. embassy, which is another kind of weird thing. Like now now this piece of dirt is technically America, but it's America in a different country. So um, the I think considering borders is more about considering – when we talk about the land of the free and the home of the brave – Because we talking, of the brave. Yeah. <laughs> so are we talking about – the land of the free, or we're we talking about free people who live in this land. Which which is the emphasis? I think it's free people. 
that's that's I I want this debate to be less about geography and more about humanity. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree. Uh, the one of the <laughs> it's interesting that you bring that up. Are we ta- say that again? Are we talking about geography or humanity? Right. Okay. So when you, you it sounded well, really smart. Well, <laughs> you were talking about the linguistic side of it. Yeah. You know, and to me, that's land I, of the I, free or free people who live in this land. Yeah. So what what are we talking about by land, and what are we talking about by free? Right. And what are we talking about? You know. All those things are interesting because one of the things that you and I do when we sit down to study scriptures, you're always hammering on me because you're a little more – not a little, a lot more formally trained than I am. You'll go, hey, take that word and trace it back uh-huh. you know, and get into it and get into the root of the word, blah, 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 so you can understand the meaning and how it's used. Okay. We'll apply that same theory here. So when we say the land, like you said, are we saying this dirt, this land? Mm-hmm. Or are we saying this land as in you know, this geography or is it these people? I think it's community. I think yeah, it's people. I mean it is. But again, to me, that's, that's not the issue. Not that what you're saying is not valid, but I think I said this before um, we went on the air is you – know, my goal when we have these conversations is never to go, this is how we fix the problem because I'll be honest with you. I don't know exactly how to fix the problem. I don't – I am not a politician. That's not really my area of expertise. I don't know how to formulate laws. Here's what I do know. What I see now troubles me. Yeah. And what I want people to do when I have this conversation is rethink their starting point. Right. Yeah. And what is the Let's starting point? Let's not start off with A or the, let, you know, A or B, let's let's go – because all we do is jump in and argue and this side yells this and this side yells this and it's all – I don't want to say it's scripted, but it's scripted because yeah. I know if you say this, huh. like I said earlier, I know if you come and say illegal alien, the first thing I'm going to say is, well, technically that is a noun. And it, <laughs> right. But that open border means yeah, yeah. you're left-wing, right. crazy, one-world government. So where do we start? That's what you just said. Yeah. Where, where do we start? I think that we have to – I think that the first place we have to start, much like another conversation we've had, is realizing this is a hot subject. Yeah. And when you sit down at a table for hot subjects, things get messy. People get pissed. Feelings get hurt. Mm-hmm. And – and here's the truth of it. If you can't bring yourself to sit in a situation and have responsible conversation, tough conversation, without hurling insults and attacking people and character assassination, then stay the out of the conversation. Yeah. No, because I, we don't need any more like that. Yeah. So here's, here's my uh, – I just was thinking of this. So my go at a starting point is – if both of both sides seem to like this country, otherwise you go away, right? I mean, if you really dislike the way things are, go away. Go to Canada. Uh, they're, they're open borders, right? You can just walk across. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or another thing that I got uh, – um, I heard on a, on a news clip the other day was, you know, you're, you're upset about this, but – why don't you just go hang out in Mexico illegally for a couple of days and see how you, see how that works out for you? Yeah, and and again, I I don't like comments like that because I think that I don't think that solves anything. Right. It, that doesn't. It's true. Yeah. 
but it doesn't solve anything. And then the other thing that we, you know, there's a lot of pride in our in our country. So okay, do we want to be viewed in that way? Well, to go hang out there? No. But if if we all love this country and we think that this country is a good idea, and we think that. America is awesome, and we, we maybe have some slightly different – Yeah, too much A in that. Yeah. Merca. <laughs> Merca. If we both think this is a great idea, left and right, uh, and we think this is the best, and, and we've got this thing right, and I, and I want to say that we do, uh, is it more Americans, more better? Like don't, don't we want more of us? Well, again, the issue <laughs> is not the issue. Right. So I think that yes – Absolutely. Providing those providing those people are coming in with the on the premise of them seeking a better life yeah. and building our country. Now true or false, whether you believe it or not, you there's no way of one hundred percent knowing that. You can't oh, right. know that. Correct. I mean, you just can't. And so a little bit of it is is, you know, as a Christian is trusting in the sovereignty of God. Yes, a hundred percent, and and trusting in. I mean, uh, the American mindset is a, a bit of the same thing, right? I mean, this this is why we have the liberty and and the rights that we have to protect ourselves. This is why the government that we have is is such a good and useful government when properly executed. Yeah, and I well, I hate to compare us to other places because I I never want. The only reason to compare us to other places is just to be thankful, not to try and yeah. set a bar, right? Because right. the the policing in Kenya is hilarious, and I was talking to people about it, and they they can't believe it. So when I, whenever I'm there uh, with new people, especially, I start asking people questions about the police because if when I say it, people are like, "That can't be the actual." No, you can't call the police in Kenya. Yeah. That's not uncommon in third world countries. Yeah, people cannot get their heads around this. If if something bad is happening, you can't call the police. They're not going to come ever. Like if we we bitch about you know when when seconds matter, the police are only minutes away. Right? right. That's a cute joke, but they're still coming. They're still coming. They're not in Kenya, and, and I was this, so the guy that we and why are they not coming? A lot of times, it's usually just corruption, money uh, boils, or because down. they don't know. Yeah. Police yeah. presence in third world countries is much different than yeah. it is here. And when there is heavy police presence, back yeah. to what you said, it's corruption it's and bad it's news. money. Right. <laughs> so there's this um, this guy that was driving us around, and I was I said, so what happens if a guy is breaking into your house or people are you know getting ready? Bad things are happening, and you call the police. He goes, uh, they they say file a report or come down and let us know how it how it worked out. Yeah, like maybe they'll follow up in about a year, or they might say, "Well, go ahead and arrest one of them and bring them in." <laughs> like it's on you, bitch. <laughs> like that's that's I, insane. I'm thinking that me and you could like there, like there may be some. Well, that's so sinful of me, but there may be some income potential there. We could start a security force and. <laughs> well, that's they make a ton of money. When you go to Nairobi and uh, you see places that are safe in Nairobi or other areas, yeah. it's usually these these this tribe called the Maasai, the Maasai warriors. They have zero fear. I mean, their their onions are the size of basketballs. They just they're like, if you need something protected, 
In fact, the guy brought this up. He goes, if you're driving your car and it's a nice car and it's a bad area and you park, you can say to a Maasai, you just see standing there and everybody knows what a Maasai looks like. You say to that guy, can you just stand here and protect my car? You give him some money and nobody's going to screw with your car. Like they, that's a thing they do. And that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was at the Maasai Mara, which is kind of – it's the northern chunk of the Serengeti. Yeah. So it's, it's the same thing. It's only in Kenya they call it the, the Maasai Mara. So we're sitting there and it's um, one of my earliest mission trips and it's getting late at night. And the guy who owns the place says, oh, you, you guys going to hang out? We're, we're playing euchre. There's like five yeah. of us playing cards and just goofing off. And, and we're like, yeah, we're kind of decompressing the end of the trip. And he goes – and it's it's wide open. So there's there's no – this, this is the Maasai. There's yep. critters everywhere. So the guy goes, all right, I'm going to go get somebody for you. And, and he brings this guy over. And the, the, the joke was he introduces him as Kevin. Pretty sure that's not his pretty real name. Pretty sure that's not his name. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure his real name is something my face won't make that yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah. So he's Kevin. And he's just sitting kind of quietly. And we're trying to engage him in some conversation. And he's not – he knows English fine. He's just not talking to you. He's got a job to do. Yeah. So he's we're playing cards and he's all wait sudden, wait so he just shuts up and does his job and doesn't like <laughs> yeah that's a novel concept and all he's got is something's called a rungu yeah. it's a stick with a with a, a ball of like a big wood yeah about the size of my fist and he's all of a sudden it's probably two looks in the like morning. a knuckle bone yeah it's exactly and it's got a little pointy thing on it he's two in the morning you know we're all just kind of laughing and talking he jumps up and goes running into the darkness into the bush. And he comes back just you know forty five seconds later, and he sits down, and we look at him like, "Dude, what the hell?" And he goes, "It's just a zebra." And I go, "Right, but you didn't know. <laughs> like, this is the difference between us." I like us. this guy. <laughs> I like this guy already. He's like, "Yeah." So you know, if, if it was a, a lion or something else that could have been a problem, that's his job is to go run at it, whack it with a stick. Like whack a mole. I was like, this is so. Yeah, that's a long ways to go to talk about how um, in our country, this this is one of the things that that is a huge blessing for us is that yes, we we can't all be sure that everybody here is a good person, and you know when people are coming across our borders, we can't be certain that they're good people, but we have a police force. <clears throat> we have, or we just need a better armed rights. militia. Yeah. So yeah, here's the solution. It just dawned on me. Here's the solution. Okay, let's give let's give the left what they want. Mm-hmm. Open borders, fine. Let's give the right what they want. More guns. Open borders and more guns. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we have a like a Mexico War yeah, 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 hundred right? years ago? Wasn't this a thing once? <laughs> Everybody wins. Everybody's happy, right? <laughs> I think there's some, some people south of our border who aren't. I said pleased. earlier I don't get invited back many places. <laughs> now you know why. But um, yeah, I, if 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 we were just going to try and solve the problem, starting from we love Americans, we love the American ideal. Let's have more of them. Then I think we we approach the border problem differently. It's it's no longer keep people out or let everybody in. It is how do we make more Americans? How do you make more Americans? Well the. Have more kids born on American soil? Boo. <laughs> Wrong answer. Um, okay, I'd like to use a lifeline. Uh, you need to you need to simplify the process. So we we said earlier that if we were going to put this in a Christian perspective, you know, do I does that mean that I just close down my borders and don't let anybody else become Christians? Right. No. 
you don't, you actually recruit as many people and want as many people coming into your borders as possible to grow the kingdom, which is a whole nother spectrum. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that really mean? But how do you do it? And if you're growing, you want to make sure that the people that are coming in are getting what they need to transition successfully. Teaching, discipleship lined up with the stuff of your church. Right. But here's the thing. Before you even go there, we have to realize that a lot of the people that we refer to in the, like you'll, you'll hear a number. And I purposely did not put a lot of stats in this because here's the thing about stats. I can go find the stats I want to back my uh-huh. side. You can go find the stats you want uh-huh. to back your side. So I purposely didn't put a lot of numbers in here. Here's one thing I know. There are a lot of people in this country that we would consider undocumented immigrants, and our default thinking is, oh, see, they came here illegally, when in fact they didn't. Correct. They've overstayed their visas. Mm-hmm. They've been brought in under circumstances, and now those circumstances have changed. Their work visas have expired, whatever it is. And again, as I said earlier, that does not make them illegal. Right. It is illegal to cross the border if you don't do it at a port of entry. That's right? actually not technically true. <laughs> it it well, is true. It's kind of true. Check the immigration law. Yeah. It's illegal to enter. It It's illegal to enter the country unlawfully. Would you agree? No. Not necessarily. It's, it is, so you don't think it's a, 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 an offense to cross the border illegally? I think that it's written in the immigration code that a means by which to seek asylum is to go to the border. I'm not talking about seeking asylum. Yeah. Because seeking asylum, contrary to what – and mm-hmm. uh, here, here's what's funny. I got called a social justice warrior <laughs> on, you on Facebook the other day. I was just like <laughs> oh – I was like, gosh. dude, you really have no idea. Like, wh- yeah, I'm just this peace-loving <laughs> – Hippie, God loves everybody. Wow. Don't where's my goji berry? Yeah, all this stuff. Like, yeah, dude, come knock on my door. <laughs> you might be surprised what you bump into. That's hilarious. Yeah. I was like, hey, if that makes me a social justice warrior or whatever. But again, it's side note. That's one of those things that happens when you have the social media outlets that we have, and there's there's no penalty. Yeah. And no consequence and no accountability for running your damn mouth. Yeah, you're going to sit there on the other side of your keyboard and spout shit that want to – OK, you want to make these comments to me? And I'll just laugh it off now. Yeah. But it's like you know, 10 years ago, I would have been doing a back internet search to find out where you live <laughs> and I would have been crawling up to your doorstep in a ghillie suit. Going, <laughs> Hi, I'm the social justice warrior while you're shitting your pants because like, it's not – yeah. I just thought that was funny. That's social fantastic. justice warrior. Yep, that's me. Yeah. So anyway, but I even forgot what we the were guy, doing. The guy called you a social justice oh, warrior. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. Because I said that, because I was taking a stand of this is how I feel. And it started because there's a guy I know that goes to my church and he posted on something that said, Hey, it's a really sad day for me. I just found out that some friends of mine. Um, are being are being hunted by the you know by ICE and yeah. they're facing deportation and blah blah blah. So I read that, and what's my first thought? Someone sideways with paperwork. That's well, my, my first thought when I read it was, this really sucks for my friend Luis. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Because like, regardless of where we fall on the legal issue. Man, I got a I got a guy who, you know, we're not close friends, but we see each other at church yeah, and I know him yeah. and I engage in conversation with him and he's um 
we see things a lot differently, mm-hmm. but I still value him as a person. Shocker, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so when he's hurting, and it's scary for him and his family. And his kids who know that they're probably going to lose a friend because – and they don't understand the system why. They just right. know their friend's not there anymore. Right. To me, that – you know, because I'm a social justice warrior, <laughs> that breaks my heart. Uh-huh. It does. It makes it it makes me go, man, that really sucks for my friend, yeah. you know. And so I was like – my take was, man – you know, then it went in. Then it went into people talking about how, oh, well, you know, Sessions used Romans thirteen, and there's people uh, talking about the yeah. law, and I'm just sitting there banging my head on the table, going, "This is not a post about the law. This is a post about a brother in Christ who's sorrowful." Yeah. Quit being Job's friend and coming up and telling him everything he should do, and just shut your mouth. Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. Yeah. My, this guy is sad, and I should pray for him, and I should, I should sit in that shit storm with him because yep. that's that's what you do. Yep. But instead, we made it a debate about who's right and who's wrong, and exegete in the text and all this. And I was just like, regardless of how you where you sit on the issue, mm-hmm. the fact is is that a family is living in fear right now of being sent back to a country that makes them fear for their life, and that is. That is maddening to me, and yeah. that that breaks my heart. Yeah, that's a piece of it. That <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, oh, for you social justice warriors, I was like, okay, I might be a social justice warrior then, but you're just a dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and generally, it's the other way around. Usually, yeah. I'm the one that people look at and go, you're just a dick. <laughs> but this is a, it's such a human issue, and it drives me crazy. I want to grab these people who are like, well, those th- they shouldn't have put their kids in that situation. <laughs> those people. <laughs> you shouldn't have kids shouldn't be in the situation they're in in Mexico or Honduras. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. There's so much. There's so many complexities to this. Yeah. I wish it was as simple as saying, hey, don't bring your kids here. If you know you're not going to make it. Well, that would be great and simple, but we live in a society full of people who make bad choices with their parents, with their kids, and their kids aren't thrown in cages. I'm looking out your window right here. There's a cage. Well, no, I see the chain link where you've got things to keep things out and to keep – not let – It's for security purposes. Yeah, Yeah, to keep the kids from running Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're – you see this stuff and it's like, oh my gosh, these kids are just like – they're. it's just horrible, man. That's why when I posted that thing, um, I included in there – so there's a picture of me because I, I wanted to, to drive the point like I have been to this refugee camp. This is not something I'm talking about sort of I read this online yeah. and then immediately following some asshole was like, well, I did a quick Google search and it yeah. says it's – yeah. Have you been there? Because yeah. no, I have – Let's now let's change this conversation because you don't know. But in, in there, I included a picture of a little kid holding a baby. Right. I want to be like, you, you're saying that they shouldn't be bringing those kids to the border. Now, now, turn that thinking around. What they're fleeing from is so bad, they're risking this. Which means that wherever they are, that child, that baby, that family – is in such dire straits that their best option, because I, I don't think anybody's like, well, you know, I'm living here in Mexico. <clears throat> I've got a three bedroom house and a Toyota, but I'd like to get to America where I can get a four bedroom and a Lexus. That's that's not the conversation. <laughs> if, if you're if you're in Mexico and you're doing well, you're not looking to 
to go four days on foot across the border where you might die. Well, there's a 50-50 chance you won't make it. Yeah, that's not that's not who's And coming. if you do make it, you're going to get thrown in a cage <laughs> yeah. and thrown back across and it's yeah. These are that's not the people. This when people say that well, they're they're economic refugees. They're just looking for a better job. Uh, mm, I want to I want to grab these people and choke them because that nobody you I really, see no problem with that. Yeah, <laughs> you think there's honestly somebody Somebody who's got a pretty good job and, and doing okay and is like, Meh, I'm going to put everything on the line. Maybe my family will die, but you know what? I'd really like a four-bedroom instead of a two-bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's not. <laughs> no. Well, and because look at how many – I know a guy who's here in this country, and he's here legally. He's here legally. He It's, it's my son's – biological grandfather on his paternal side. Mm -hmm. Carlos really doesn't have much memory or any memory of his biological father. Guy got locked up when he was really young Mm. and then faced deportation. He, he was here without the proper credentials. Yeah. So he, he got deported. Carlos doesn't really have any memories of him. So we adopted him. And so then you, but his, Carlos's grandfather has been in the United States for a long time and he's he's documented he's here on a visa you know he's got he works under his own identity he pays taxes mm-hmm. he sends a large amount of money mm-hmm. or a substantial portion of his check back to his family who is in Mexico right and you know it might be you know if I don't know if you've ever transferred money from here to Mexico. I've done it to Kenya several times. <laughs> but you can send $400, $200-$300 here down to Mexico. Game changer. And it's a game changer for them in their uh-huh. local economy system. And that's another big thing that we that rightfully we we have to be concerned about. We have a lot of people coming in to our culture and to our American society making money yeah. and then sending the money uh-huh. Now, uh-huh. now, do I think that's enough to – I think that when it comes to our economy, we have much bigger issues than right. that. Right. But it is something that does – it is a valid point. So when someone brings it up, you shouldn't just automatically dismiss it and go, ah, that's stupid. It doesn't make a difference. No, it makes a difference. Right. But see, this is weird where, where all of a sudden it crosses back over to you know my, my position as a conservative Christian, right-wing Republican. And mine is the social justice warrior. American male. Yeah, I, I don't want anybody to you, – you can tax my money and then you don't get to say a word how I spend it. I, I agree. So why – but it, it's sort of a right-wing position that it, unless you're an immigrant. <laughs> Unless if you're an immigrant, well, you better spend your damn money here. Everything with immigrants. <laughs> I know. Okay, so let's look at back to what we said about illegal aliens, <laughs> right? They're ill. So we, I pick you up at the border, or I pick you up on an ice raid, or whatever. Yeah. You get a traffic stop, we find out, and you're automatically classified as what an illegal alien in most places. Yeah. Okay. Well, what happens when we see white-collar crimes with high-ranking members of our government or well-known people? Well, let's remember, folks, innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. You, right? What about like Manafort? Um, they were saying – so he's officially in jail now. I guess. But he goes to like rich white person jail. Right. Because we have to protect him. Right. Because, because we put, you him, know, in we put him in regular gen pop and he's probably going to get shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. be somebody's – yeah. But, but I'm sorry. Like it just it makes no sense. Yeah, it uh, makes no. So sense. so we've got um, kind of back to where we were. 
sort of started on that discussion was it is a a reasonable, accepted, and it's even in policy that that one of the ways to seek asylum is to just cross the border and the first person you see, you just – border agent, you just wave your hands and say, asylum, asylum, I'm seeking asylum. That That is not illegal to do. That, I mean it's, it's an accepted practice. I know you to be a, uh, a fairly knowledgeable man, so I will take – and I don't think you're a guy that just spins stories to spin them. So right. I'm – I'll take your word on that, and then I'll go back. You know, as as a good friend of mine always says, trust but verify. Yeah, I'd like to go back and research that more because my understanding was, and I'm perfectly okay with being wrong. Yeah, but my wife tells me I'm wrong all the time, <laughs> but I I, uh, I was under the impression that you had to come through at a port of entry and declare yourself as seeking asylum. Well, it's probably the the preferable way, but the, I don't know. And again, this this is where I don't know right. why the the law is the way it's, it is because. Who knows who wrote it and, and all of the process. But now imagine um, from, from here from Iowa, where is a port of entry? Can you name one? This is what I love to do with people. Like, oh, so they have to go to a port of entry. Name one. Yeah, there's one down by Harlington, Texas. Harlington, Texas. I yeah. know that. There's all, there's all kinds of them around on the border. <laughs> there's not any in Iowa because guess what? There's no Mexican border that runs through Iowa. Shocker. But most people – But there's got to be a Mexican border in Iowa because there's so many Mexicans there, right? <laughs> Right. We, we get this like idea that – I mean most people don't know where an official port of entry is. Now let's say you're coming from Honduras. You have been doing your damnedest to get to – all you know is north equals border. Right. How are you going to find that port of entry? Are you going to look uh, it up on your phone? You yeah, don't speak I'm, English? Yeah. You don't – yeah. I'm so, sure you've got great internet access. <laughs> Think about this, though, and, and I'm with you. I mean, I, I I understand the point you're going to, but I'll also tell you this: in that circle, I got a feeling, pretty good feeling, that they know where the port of entry is. Yeah, because if they're coming here illegally, you don't think that they talk about. And I hate saying they like those people. As right, 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 right. Please don't. If you're listening, don't take that offensive. I, I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying they as the a ones. specific group, the ones that are coming here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, illegally, whatever the heck that means, they, they know the they communicate about. Well, you know, if you go to this place, there's a there's a pretty good. You know, they, they know those things. Just like if I want if I want to go do something, mm-hmm. if, if I want to go shoot, mm-hmm. other shooters will tell me, "Hey, there's a great place to go shoot. Go yep. here." You yep. know, if I want to go fishing. Hey, there's a great fishing spot. Well, that's not true because my grandpa, who passed a couple of weeks ago, would always tell yeah. me, yeah, "Never good fisherman never reveals a spot." But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. People communicate and share information. So, well, I think though that if you're if you're the ones who are trying to avoid getting caught, right, you're not going to a port of entry, right, <laughs> right. But it's it's the ones where it's like you know um, we see these families with children and they're they're picked up right crossing the border. I mean, they're walking right up to border agents. They're, they're not sneaking you know, in the middle of the night across the desert. They're looking for somebody to snag them. It's, it, so yeah. it's actually, a complex issue, man, and that's one of the things that we should have hammered at the very beginning. Yeah. Like, there is no, well, this is what we do, cool, problem solved. I, got it. I, got, I have the answer. <laughs> I, I already told you the answer. We give both sides what they want, more guns and open borders. Yeah. Yeah, lest anybody think I'm I'm open border, I think we ought to put up a gigantic wall. And and I mean 50 feet high, razor wire, all of that, but then make it 
like real obvious, lots of places with big doors that say, welcome to America. And you just walk up to the door and somebody shakes your hand and you come in and you just start the process. You say, why are you coming to America? Right. So you you lock down people who are are trying to avoid asylum and and come in illegally and do illegal stuff because I'm against that. Not not only because I'm against that, but it's also the number of people who die would decrease dramatically. Uh, that that if, if there is really no good way to sneak across our border, then people aren't going to try. And if, if you can't get to the place where people are dying in the desert, good. Then you're not going to. People aren't going to go there. Right. Uh, I was just reading a story about this uh, rancher in Texas where they're they're all for a wall around their border. Uh, they they ranch right up to the Mexico border. But what they do is they put in um, watering stations and food stations because they found so many dead Mexicans and, and other Central Americans on their property. So they would – but they're like, yeah, we're, we're trying to make it so that they live because we think people being alive is better than dead. So we're on the same page there. But if there was a wall, they wouldn't be doing this. They, mm-hmm. They'd be stopped. So <clears throat> giant wall all across the border – Many very obvious points of entry. People even walk in the wall and, and if somebody comes up and says, asylum, yep, come on with me. Here's the door. Let's start <laughs> processing you. Well, and I would take it a step further. Why make them come to the door? I mean you could have – you could yep. have – oh, I see, I see a person wandering out, you know, wandering this way. Let's engage them. Let's go get them. You know, let's, let's – and now you're bringing people in. Prodigal son comes home. Yeah. And what do we say? Runs. More Americans are more better. And and we're trying to make it so that people aren't angry at our country or in love. What if our country was actively seeking to bring immigrants in and say, yeah, come on in, process you, get you a social security card. We'll, we'll get you on the path to citizenship, which isn't all that hard. Get you a job, get you paying taxes <laughs> and living in our economy. Well, and there's a whole other perspective of this that that's why I said this is such a complex issue. You know, as Christians, we should be somewhat we should be very welcoming to that. Yeah. And here's why. Because we always hear in America how the church is dying, the church is going away, mm-hmm. organized religion is falling. Okay, well, first of all, I, I don't really believe that. Right. Um, it may not be growing as rapidly as it is in other sections of the world, but it's not dying. Right. Um, there are certain segments of it that are dying, which is good because some of those segments need to need die. Need to die. And they need, we need to change. But when you look at the culture that's coming in from Mexico, a large portion of them are religious people mm-hmm. of a Protestant and Catholic background. Mm-hmm. And they are influxing a whole – they can influx a whole new set of ideals. Mm-hmm. Now, again, a lot of what I say, I'm kind of gearing towards the people that consider themselves to be Christians. Yeah. Because if you're just a far-right, you know – complete opposite of me social justice warrior like if you're just all the way on that side nothing i'm gonna say is probably you're probably not gonna agree with and if you're not a believer or trying to live your life by biblical principles we're we're probably not gonna we don't really have a common ground on where to start yeah i mean other than if we can agree though on the fact that treating people this way is horrible right but i can sit here and talk to you about Made in the image of God, Genesis three, and that doesn't mean anything to you if you don't if you're not exactly. a Bible person and you don't care. Right. Oh, here I go getting hit with another Bible verse. So right. 
when I talk to people about, especially Christians, I'm like, look at where we start. Where do we start? We start with every person is mm-hmm. made in the image of God. Yeah. And that's hard sometimes. It's hard for me to believe that a person who is locked up right now for doing horrible things to children is made in the image of God. Yeah. But I've searched because I've looked for it. I haven't found the place in Scripture where God gives me a pass on that and says, you don't have to worry about that person because he did something bad. So that's where we have to start. We have to – you said earlier about where's our border. Well, I think with Christians – we have a, a different border. I mean, we have a border of where, where do we? You're gonna take a you're gonna take a stance on this, yeah. Somewhere or another, you're gonna take a stance. And are you going to take that stance in this debate, as we call it, on what the Word of God says, right? And what the teaching that the Scriptures have and what that bears on it, or are you gonna stand outside of that and use your your cultural view, right. and cultural pressure to define how you I how you stand it. <clears throat> and if we're gonna, if there's gonna be change in this, I just hope that here comes the bride, baby. Like let yeah. the church lead yeah. the way. You know, it, it has to. It has to lead the way. I was so disturbed last night. I was watching stuff on. This is how disturbed I was. I was watching stuff on both Fox News and MSNBC. Like, I was depressed. I wasn't pissed at the. That's how you become bipolar. Sure but yeah, right. But well, it's cool because you see two sides to the story. Right. Like, right. Shocker! Holy cow! Like, let's examine different views. Um, but some of these people that were considered evangelical pastors that they had on there who were. Um, announcing their support for what President Trump and what yeah. the, guess, Attorney General Sessions have done is – I was just like, oh my gosh, like seriously. I, I was just infuriated yeah. by it. You know, and they're talking about how, how well, you know, we're going to justify it by this, this, and this. you can't – you can't justify it that way. You can't. I, I did have a guy contact me after my my Facebook post, and he was he was concerned. Um, he goes, I don't think that. Um, for one, he he lives in a place where a, uh, immigration, illegal aliens, and um, bad guys, MS thirteen coming yeah. across the border is a real issue because he's close to the border, and he's yeah. like, Yeah, it's it's a legit threat. I mean, I'm not saying sure. it's not. For sure. And, I, and he was just concerned that I was advocating for open borders. And he no. goes, I don't think any any pastor really or any, any real Christian condones what's happening to these families. And I go, I love you, brother, but here's the thing. I run in a circle with a lot of Christians. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of Christians out there who are like, yeah, those kids broke the law, so they got to go to jail. And uh, you know what? Well, they didn't know it, but their parents put them in this position. So this is what happens. Or, you know, talking about the things that are going on like it's day camp or, or something like or summer camp that these kids are going to that that's just the way it is i've been to summer camp that don't look like summer camp yeah <laughs> like geez these you know these are christians Made who yeah. are all for these terrible things that are happening and i so I, I'm, I'm ready to just scream at christians and that's, that's my my post was for sure a little inflammatory about you know kenya is currently treating refugees better than we do. That's awesome. I don't think it was inflammatory. Yeah. I think it's a little passive aggressive. 
which I yeah. like. I'm, I'm a big fan of psychological warfare. So <laughs> right. Psyops are good. But and, and Kakuma refugee camp sucks out loud. Like yeah. I, I don't want to make any nobody nobody should think that it's like a, a summer camp either. But it's it's a place where they're trying to help refugees, people who are running scared. I, I may have drank the rest of that. That's all right. There's some in there though. That's all right. Um, water if I need it. Yeah, but like this this idea that um, we we try and keep these people away. They're coming from terrible circumstances, so tough luck. You know, you got to go back. Even Kenya does a better job than than we're doing of that, and it and their conditions suck. That shouldn't be our bar. Like we shouldn't try and do as good as Kenya. We should do better. <laughs> we should treat refugees right. better than the Kakama refugee camp. We should do things where where people who are and, and what is utter bullshit to me is it's as if we're afraid we could never tell the difference between a, a gangbanger, heroin-pushing MS-13 guy and a mom with her child who is terrified of where they live. Like there's, there's no fucking way to tell which one's which. Like are you serious? You can't be mm, – this is where I, I do – I just get – wound up as if this is a problem that is so complicated to solve. It's so complicated. And we've 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 got the resources to do it. And I, I um But that's but because it's complicated, we have to get ourselves past the entrenched position of are you open borders or are you closed borders? Right. Yes. <laughs> Both. And yes. The the analogy I give is I want a southern border, a, a wall that is as huge and impenetrable as our eastern border because we have historically the best wall on the planet yeah. on our eastern border. We mm-hmm. call it the Atlantic. Yep. And what have we done for years? Well, people coming in, processed through Ellis Island, yep. and when you show up, they, they were doing thousands and thousands and thousands, something like 12 million people total came through Ellis Island, and not everybody made it through. And they had criteria, and one of those criteria was, uh, do you have typhoid? Yeah. Because <laughs> if you do, yeah. and they figured it out. They were like, so we have doctors there. The doctors said, well, you, you've got something that we don't have a cure for, so you, you can't come in here. And why, why don't we do the same thing, uh, dig a moat <laughs> or just build a giant wall and then have places where we process people like we processed them through Ellis Island for – so it's close to 100 years, I think, we process people through Ellis Island, and it works. You, you come in, sit down, have have a, a nice warm meal. Here's here's a bed, you know, shower, clothes. Let's sit down and talk. Why are you here? Oh, I'm here because. Now, if you got some – and it, you can't tell me that we don't have the people who can sit with them and figure out, all right, this guy's a pusher. This, this guy's bad news. Or this. Well, we have those systems in place. Yeah. It's called our probation and parole department in the in yeah. the in the Department of Corrections. What do they do? Mm-hmm. They take, take take people who have been recently released from incarceration and they monitor their yeah. transition back into society. Do they get it right every time? No, absolutely right. not. Right, but. They do get it right a decent portion of the time. And their job is not to control human behavior. Right. Their job is to look for indicators. Their job is to look for red flags. You know, I, I have guys, because the company I work for, we um, – everybody everybody that's in my office in, in, in a full-time managerial position has had a second chance in some way. Yeah. That's awesome. So we believe in second chances. So we will hire a guy – Legally, we're not, we're not hiring undocumented people, but we're right. hiring people legally 
that maybe couldn't go work somewhere else because they got a felony on their record mm-hmm. or they've got this. We have some criteria that, that we like them to meet, and we don't just let anybody come in, but we have a referral system, and we vet them when they come in, and we send them back out. Now, we don't always get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. Right. But in, in that, I work with some guys who are on probation and on parole, and that requires me every time they go out of state – to have contact with their parole officer or their mm-hmm. probation officer. And some of those some of those people will be like, okay, yep, here you know, and then they're they're looking for indicators that says so and so is going to is heading down a wrong path. They'll call me every once in a while. Hey, how just want to make sure that this person actually did this this weekend. How they doing? Are you noticing any? Those yeah. people exist out there. Yeah. So the systems are in place. They're not perfect. No system is. And they need more resource. But and we need more resource. You know, if, if we stopped chasing people and, and trying to catch them and instead – so instead of managing the symptom, put those resources to right. managing the, the entrance process. It's like I, I describe it like you know the, the Hoover Dam. The Hoover Dam isn't something that's built to keep all of the water back all of the time. Right. I mean, there's giant holes in the Hoover Dam where lots of water comes through. It spins turbines and it lights up Nevada. Yeah. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> yep. Good. So the, we need to have, but it needs to be big and tough and secure to hold most of the water back. Yeah. And just let the water through that you want to let through. Right. This is not hard. So we build a giant barrier deterring everybody, and then build giant holes in it. Not holes. Big doors and, and secure, right. but you you get fingerprinted on the way through. We start building a database. We we just control the entrance so that man, if if we make that mistake and you turn out to be a bad guy, which by the way, I also have, I also like the idea is if you are if you get through and you fool everybody and you're MS thirteen and you're a bad person, then I think the way to deport is with a catapult, right? You just line it up and you just huck them over the wall. <laughs> well, I have a little different. <laughs> Philosophy, because I, I'm a social justice warrior. <laughs> We're sitting back in a box. I just don't, I don't. I don't think that you, because then, uh, so they come up here to Central Iowa, let's just say, and they're and they're found to be here illegally or breaking laws. Once we've let them in, we've given you your chance, mm-hmm. you know, or multiple chances, whatever that looks like. And now you are facing deportation because you didn't play with well with others. Right. If they're here in Central Iowa, we got to. We got unless we have a really good catapult, catapult. we got to send them back down to Texas, <laughs> Arizona, or wherever. Uh-huh. So you know the the social justice warrior me side says, let's just be a warrior. You're done yeah. right there. You're done. Put them in the ground. Nah, I don't really think that. In some case, in some cases, I do, For and sure. I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Like I catch you like putting your Raping, hands on murdering. places and little boys and little girls that you shouldn't be putting them on. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with you. Um, We'll put you From in dust box. you came into dust you shall return. Yeah. I'm okay with that happening right there. I'm going to mail and you. And I will. I will. I'm pretty confident that when that day comes, when I have to give an account for my actions, uh, I'll I'll stand by that yeah, statement. I'm with you. And 100. I'm okay with what whatever God puts down on me for that because right. I know what He's going to. You know. Right. But the but how much more of an incentive is that? Because right now, okay, I'm here either. You know, rightfully or not rightfully, things go kind of sideways, end up getting deported. There's still this sense like, yeah, I could sneak across the border, right? I can get back in. But if it is this, okay, no, no, it's controlled entrance now where if I screw up and don't do things right, 
I'm going back over that wall. You can control the entrances a lot easier than most people think you can. I know, right? Like, this is okay, not- seriously, there's still there's still bars in Des Moines that I've banned from for life. And that, that stuff happened 20 years ago, but I still can't get in them. <laughs> they know. Like, oh, yeah. you can't be here. What? I mean, I, didn't, I don't go there anymore. But, right. I mean, 10 years after the fact, I was still walked into a bar one night. And they were like, you can't be here. Why? Well, your picture's on the wall in the back. And I'm like, okay, this was in 1995, you know, <laughs> dude. Like how much farther are we now? But it's not as hard to control the points of the, the entries as we think it is, especially if we, secu- if we fortify the places that we don't right. want access to come through. Right. But, it, the, but we have to do – you can't – I think what, what some people are worried about is building that giant wall means that we're going to keep everybody out uh, and all of the right. bad stuff that happens to them is now – that's blood on our hands because these, these people who are trying to escape the, the drug war in Mexico were like, sorry, you can't come in. No, let's let them in. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think there is a large portion of people that think we're just going to build this wall and not let anybody out and it's going to keep everybody There's out. There's no doors in the wall. And, but but – uh, <laughs> <laughs> but really, there's there's some basis for that fear. Oh, for sure. Because there's people in our government that would love for that to be the case. And it they're is. not going to come out and say, we're not. I mean, some of them will. Right. But most of them are going to say, no, we just want – we just want to – we want to secure things. We want to make sure that we have strong borders. We want people to be able to come in. I believe some of them. A lot of them I'm like, yeah, dude, you're just saying that because right. once that wall goes up, you – Yeah. And I don't – so I don't have a problem with people coming in. Do it the right way, and let's give them an easier way to do it, and then let's make penalties yeah. stiffer if you don't do it the right way. Or if you do it the right way and you come in, you know, I, you, you, should, you should be held to a standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I don't face deportation ever. Because I'm a I'm a natural born American citizen. There's, nowhere, not, to there's nowhere to send me. Okay, <laughs> sorry, America, you're stuck with me. You could pull off but, Canada. Huh? You look Canadian enough. Uh, get the beard for it. Yeah, I got the beard for it, but I don't have the temperament for it. Yeah. <laughs> you sure don't. You? Yeah, you know, like they they're a little too late, and they're a little too laid back for me. But no, I, I mean, we there's if you come here. <clears throat> And we let you in. I hate saying we let you in because it makes me sound like I got something. But you know what I mean. You get through the process. You get through the process and you're here. And you are found to be doing things that are detrimental or illegal or detrimental to American society. There's grace. Depending on on how severe that is, you can face what – I think you should be able – you should face what are – Citizens face yeah American the American law penalties. American punishment whatever because mm-hmm. you're here mm-hmm. and if it keeps going hey man you got to go yeah I am always welcome at my mother's home I am always welcome at my mother's home if I show up if I relapse and start drinking and I show up at my mom's house drunk one night she's probably going to chew me out a little bit, which if you're listening, mom, I I know. And I probably earned that. (laughs) My dad's probably going to do the same thing he did when I was 17 years old and come home drunk. All right, go to bed. We'll talk about this in the morning. That might happen once now. Yeah. If I continually do that, my dad's going to be like, Hey dude, take your shit somewhere else. Like I'm tired of dealing with this. This Mm -hmm. is not your place. Yeah. It's a closed border. Yeah. We, we do that even with American citizens. We say, uh, this is not your place. Your place now is jail. Yeah, which is another subject because I don't really – I mean we, if we start on that, it's – I think the incarceration system is 
necessary, but much like many other systems in our country, I think it I think it needs an overhaul because Absolutely. our uh, our our prison systems breed criminals. They don't breed rehabilitation. They make career criminals out of yeah. They, they you go in there on a drug offense or you go in there on whatever offense and. My wife has a great phrase that she always uses, lifer on an installment plan. Uh-huh. She's like, that guy's just a lifer on an installment plan. He'd go in, you know, yeah, in for a while, then he'll come back out. You know how many guys I've seen? They can't function when they come out of prison like uh-huh. that. They, they, haven't been, they, they haven't been taught life skills. Yeah, they were put in a box. They were put in a box. Timeout, yeah, and told again. a big time out, and they come out, and they don't – Okay, they come out and all of a sudden – I've seen a lot of guys that come out and they want to do the right thing by their kids. They want to do the right thing by their old ladies or wives, whatever, you know, get a job. Be a, but they don't have the skill set and they don't have anybody that's going to give them a chance. And, you, and, now and so now – but, but guess what? The bills are real, bro, mm-hmm. and the baby needs diapers and mama needs food mm-hmm. and mama needs some things. And if, if she can't get them from you, she's probably going to get them from somebody else. And mm-hmm. you can say, oh, gold digger, what, whatever. It Survival. is what it is, but it's it's the truth. Yeah, and so that will that will make a man do some things that he normally wouldn't do. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that, that's that, my rant on the prison system. Sorry. Oh, well, we're going to be on the same page there. And um, one of the, <clears throat> I think the biggest issues is the the privatization of it. Mm-hmm. To make money off of incarcerating people, your incentive is more people going to jail, yeah. not less people going to jail. Yeah. So who lobbies against things like legalized marijuana? Yeah. Who lobbies for things like? Um, tight immigration laws where people end up in jail. Yeah. More laws means more <clears throat> chance that we can. Yeah, it's a bigger net if you're fishing. Yeah, it's a bigger net. I can catch no more. Reason to to not have more people in your prison if you yeah. are privatizing prison. And there's there's no there's no benefit to being incarcerated. Yeah. So we're taking people who who are already opposed to the laws or willing to break laws, whatever, whatever, however you land in prison, I don't care. But you're not giving them an incentive to be a better person or teaching them how to do it. You're just saying, time out, don't get caught next time. And that's not, again, that's not a knock on anybody that works in corrections or (laughs) works in the prison system. For those of you, like that are out there, if you happen to stumble across this, brother, you guys have my, or sister, you have my ultimate respect. Because to yeah. work in that environment day in and day out, to be around criminals and people that don't have a lot of respect for others and people's things, I mean, it, and that can that can do some real damage to your soul. And if you're yeah. willing to stand in that fire um, and be the guy that says, you know, I'm going to deal with this, or the woman that says, I'm going to deal with this, then, then I tip my hat to you because you... Right. You, you got a tough job. It's well, not. It's not. I'm not. I'm not nailing on you guys or saying you guys are the problem. What I'm saying is, is I've seen far too many guys that come out of the system that are just not rehabilitated. And some of them, I'll be honest, are rehab- not rehabilitated because they're, they're just able to be. friggin' knuckleheads and yeah. they don't want to be real. They yeah. don't want to be rehabilitated. But there's so it's half of the equation, and and if you get half the equation right, you're still getting all of the answer wrong. I mean, that's just right. the way this yeah, math true. equation yeah. works. So we have to. Take, that's the my problem. <laughs> we have to get people, people who are are breaking the laws of society, have to be removed from society. That is intake. That is now. Now you're in a box, and and we need those people who work corrections to keep that box tight because mm-hmm. they they can't be out here. They got to be in here. The second half of the equation is now let's f- do something so that when they go back out of the box and go over here, 
they're better. We're just we're doing half of it well enough. Yeah. You know, keeping people in boxes. We're good at this. Yeah. We do it better than any country. Yeah. But we don't. I don't think it should box. be Shangri-La either. I don't think it should no. be. Like, I mean, no. I've heard people come out and go, jail sucks. Well, yeah, dude, it's jail. It sucks. It's not like, hey, I'm bored. Let's go to jail. It's fun. Yeah. I, it sucks. It should suck. You shouldn't have flat screen TVs and all no. of this. You should be in a place that's not a retirement home. Yeah. And your only option is to learn how to do life better yeah. or be here more. Yeah. <laughs> so learn how to do life better. Yeah. There you go. But that's. It's not unlike the the whole immigration conversation we're having, which is building a tight border is only half the equation. If we get that half right and not the second half, the answer is still wrong. We, we've still not done this thing correctly because we've got – and again, I mean <clears throat> I think if you, if you build a really tight border with no doors in it, no way in, you're just going to get people who the, – the most motivated, most resourced people finding the way in. And who is that going to be? That's going to be the people who want to come to this country for bad reasons. Mm-hmm. That mom from Honduras who's fleeing persecution with her kid, she is not going to figure out a, a good way across that wall. But that guy in MS-13 who's got drug money behind him and has resource to, to weaponry and has millions of reasons to get in because he's got drugs, he's going to figure it out. Yeah. So the the only ones who come across with a hyper tight border are the this is why this is why the the coyotes exist who the who take people across the border. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a tragic case the other day of that uh, SUV that rolled over and was it like 15 people in it or something. Yeah, that's why they're, they're because we don't have a good way to bring people in. Bad people figure it out. If we don't figure this out, bad people will. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't figure it out, somebody else will figure it out for you and for you, profit and for profit and for your detriment. Yeah, if your competitors, your competitors are always looking for a way to overcome your solution. Oh, man, you can you can apply that. And to- let's drop this. Um, let's drop this misconception. That a lot of us have about some of these people that are coming. Some of these people, I hate it when I say that, but <laughs> yeah. some of the people that are coming over here and they're these poor, um, you know, dumb, uneducated people that just need it. Okay, yes, there are some of those people that are poor, and some of our are uneducated and need and are coming to seek a better life. There are also career criminals. Yeah. Cagey, wily, smart criminals mm-hmm. that know how to manipulate the system. Yeah. And they are making themselves appear dumb, ignorant, so to gain empathy to allow access. So there there has to be a vetting process. This sure. is where I put my right wing hat sure. back on a little oh, bit. Yeah, there has sure. to be a vetting process. I'm not just willing to open my door. Okay. So if I if I see a homeless guy on the street, you know what my first thought is? Hmm. I want to bring that guy to my house because I have a full basement that's half finished. That's hmm. not like I don't really even go down there that much. It's just, it's kind of like a library, and I tried to make it a, a library, but we have hardwood floors, and it's not very insulated. So when I'm down there trying <laughs> to read, it's like <laughs> it doesn't work. So it just kind of sits empty. There's a washer and dryer down there. But I'm like, man, I could I could let somebody live here for a month and get kind of get on their feet and make sure they got yep. a good 
Okay, that's what my first instinct is. So I guess that's why I'm a social justice warrior. <laughs> but then the need to protect and secure my family, yeah, kicks in, and I go, man, as much as I want that, I can't just let this person that I don't know anything about run free in my home. Right, right. Because what's going to happen when I go to work? Right. You know, I just, it's just, I don't, I can't do that. So there kind of as i was saying there are people that will manipulate the system and that, For sure. that, that will, will we've got to we've got to figure out a way to vet that and it has to be we can't just say oh just everyone come to my house come on in blah yeah. blah blah i mean as much as i'd love to do that i can't do it i can't yeah. i have to put my son and my wife's safety yeah paramount above that i have to my first call is to love god and then my second call is to steward is to lead my family yeah i i come back to in in my you know, perfect dream of what this border wall looks like. It's this huge wall with giant hotel looking things built into it that yeah. are super secure. Right. So you come through these doors, like I said, sit down, have a meal. Now we're, here's a bed, here's some space. And now we're going to have a conversation. You should play fallout. <laughs> fallout. Really? Oh yeah. That's my, everybody says I'm weird, but I love to play fallout four because like I can do that. I can have my little borders around my little settlements. I can build them up with whatever I want. <laughs> Store. I've got one that's my war room. It's all my weapons, and all yeah. that. I got another one that's my health spa. It's got nice little weight benches, and I just live in this little virtual world. So, oh, that sounds glorious. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. My I'd wife's like, like "You're live. such a nerd." I'm like, "Dude, whatever." It's like I'm king of my own castle. You don't let me be king of the castle at the house. <laughs> king of the castle on the PlayStation right. or whatever I'm gaming on. So, but I mean, that, then you have social workers and 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 people who are trained to. To spot liars and, and you, you start to just keep looking for those inconsistencies or somebody's yeah. story changes. You go, ah, you know, this guy, there's something about this guy I don't think is right. And those people could make a difference. Yeah. And I'll, it, 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 and I'll tell you why because I've shared it before. I mean I've been a uh, card-carrying member of the probation and parole club. <laughs> okay, I've been on paper as they say. I've had to go through those hoops. I've had to go through that process after coming up you know, as part of my – I won't say my re- – I was never locked up for a long period of time. I mean I did weekends or whatever, but I got in trouble. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a weekend warrior. Yeah. I got in trouble and had to go through you know, the judicial system, and one of those was probation. Yeah. And I had to check in with the probation officer. And the first – I was on probation for a year. The first couple months I was on probation, it was like, you're going to be here every week, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and you're going to do this, and you're going to bring this. And it was a huge inconvenience. Mm-hmm. And the first time I went in, I told my PO, I was just like, come on, guy. Like, come. And he was like, hey, I'm not doing you any favors. My job is not to be your friend. Here's what you do. You come in. You do what I tell you to do. You do your job. And if you do that, we'll get along just fine. I, I like that guy. I, I was kind of like – at first I was kind of like dick. But you know, <laughs> I came out of the military, so it was like I could play the game, yeah. whatever. I'll follow the orders. So I did all that. For the first couple months, I went in every week. I did this. I did what I said I was supposed to do. I showed up with my stuff. Three months into my year probation, it got a little – I won't say it got lax, but it was like, okay, every couple of weeks you're going to come in. Yeah. And then it was once a month. And by the end of it, it was you're going to come when I call you home. And I – so the – but just because I was doing my stuff and playing by right. the rules. Right. And, and he left me alone. And through that, I made – you know, I had to – then I had to go to some classes and all this. And I was just like, oh, here we go. But I met this guy who's a Christian guy um, who I've become fairly good friends with, and he was a big part of kind of shaping how I uh, how I became who who I am and how I look at things yeah. now. Because he would sit down and talk to me and kind of sh- and he'd say, "Hey, I see this in you, and that concerns me." 
but he came at it from a, a biblical perspective, yeah. kind of covertly because you can't really do that in the you know that sector. But it was there. We knew. Yeah, I knew where he was coming from, and he really helped. He was a guy that that really helped guide me, and I still talk to him, and he'll still call me every once in a while and be like, hey, you still out there at Hope? Or hey, you still doing this? I got a guy that I see some potential in, but I think he needs to get around the right group huh. of people. Can yeah. I give him your number? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So we've built a little network, you know, which is cool. Man, this is – that's like – so a, a great case of the system working. Right. And we're spending all of our resource trying to keep people out yeah. <laughs> instead of building a system like that. And, and welcoming people in. And he didn't cut me any slack. Like, he, right. he didn't. I mean, right. he, he held my feet to the fire, and he was, he was pretty stern with me. Mm-hmm. But once he realized that, you know, he got past – he got – he was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that this isn't just a bullshit. This, like, this dude really is trying to change his life. Then he started helping me. And he's, uh, he's helping me before that. But right. he started, you know – working with me and we started embracing things you know and then he started putting some responsibility on me and that made me feel like wow dude like i got a responsibility to uphold and so that makes me want to see it's just crazy what happens when you treat people with dignity (laughs) and you make them feel like they're important and it makes makes them seek to want to do which is sure now what we're doing currently at our borders that's why i mean i got a feeling um and I don't have to go anytime soon, but I know that like this is going to be one of those things that we, we're not even going to be able to touch at all today. I've got so many other things here where I was like, oh, what about this? Yeah. But I think we're doing a great job of identifying what the issue is and what our utopia looks like as yeah. far as when we can create our perfect society. What does this look like? It looks like the big wall with the several points of entries, and it's welcoming, and it's not like – Cold, like when you say the wall, yeah, like the wall. <laughs> I get this image of like, you know, like it's just like it's Texas. Game of Thrones. It's like yeah, it's like <laughs> Texas, so it wouldn't be snowy, but I can just see like the snowstorm blowing and the winds are howling and it's uh-huh. this gray and dark and gloomy wall and some guy standing there with a the machine gun and mm-hmm. concertina wire all wrapped <laughs> around the top. And no, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. I mean, it can be a it can be a border. Uh huh. I'm okay with all that stuff. The the container wire, the the guy with the gun. Oh yeah. I mean, there has to be. And then a big, beautiful glass doors, and you know, an archway, and it's right. like, welcome to. And you walk in. It's and like on my video game, dude. Yes. I have the wall with the concertina <laughs> wire, and then about five hundred just out of hand grenade range. Okay. <laughs> There's a nicer wall. Yeah. Okay. You got. Well, you got to have your just you know, for anybody that's range. well. For anybody out there like me that's come from a military background, I mean, you got to have your FPLs, you got to have your final protective line covered yeah. by machine gun fire. That has to be outside of hand grenade range. So when they get there, they can't get just short of it and start lobbing out hand grenades and take out your LPOP. I mean, your buddy up in Michigan, what's his name? No, or Minnesota. Yeah, Rick. Yeah, he'll appreciate he that if he, if, he, if he listens. He's probably he's probably sitting there in his mind going, "Ah, damn guy, he did." He's probably correcting me because he's probably got it down better than I do, but. Just outside of hand grenade range. You gotta be outside hand grenade range, man. I love that there's people who think of that. Hey, I don't ever think of it. You know what I saw once? You know though? what? I have a very specific set of what's the guy say? <laughs> a very specific set of skills. Okay, that guy's a twerp. Yeah. But I mean it hey, it's true. There's there's things that I look at and sometimes my wife will ask me, she'll be like, What are you doing? And I'll be like, I'm checking this guy out because of this, that, or that. And she's yeah. like I can't even believe that you think of stuff like that. 
Like I can't, I'm like somebody's got to think of that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like when I'm in church on Sunday, I'm scanning everything in my sector. Yeah. Because if I don't, if I see somebody that I don't see that I don't normally see in that area, I got an eye on them the whole service. Yeah. That's who I am. Got to think that way. I, you got it's to. Been trained into you. It's just the way you operate. Well, and some people will be like, "Oh, that's terrible." Yeah. You think that's terrible until, that until I see something start to develop that nobody else saw coming, uh-huh. and I'm able to squelch it. Yeah. And then you'll be like, wow, that's awesome. How did you know that? <laughs> it's pretty good that you were here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like people with the gun thing. People are like, oh, you know, like I tell people all the time, if, I, if it comes down to it, you know, even if they say you can't carry, I'll carry. Oh, yeah. And the only time you'll know I'm carrying is when I use it to put down the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's okay for good guys to have bad guy skills. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'll use it to put down the bad guy, and then nobody will care that I had a gun that I wasn't supposed to have. They'll be like, oh, thank God he saved 25 kids from getting shot. Yeah. It'll, it'll turn into the police going, yeah, naughty, naughty. Yeah. I, I don't know. Did he have a gun? I didn't even see it. <laughs> I think he must have found right. it somewhere. <laughs> but it's also because I'm not going to go waving down the road, hey, I got a gun. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of uh, grenades, um, you love that hand grenade story, I don't do, you? But I, I could probably show you how to make some improv. <laughs> no, never mind. I need to be quiet. I've made a few. <laughs> um, but the, there's this place we go pheasant hunting up in, in Minnesota. It's a game preserve, so they, they set him out. But the guy is a huge war buff. At primarily World War II, and he's got all these things on the wall, and, and I mean every every style of gun from um, from Japan, from Italy. Every, I mean, it's, it's a museum. It's the coolest thing in the world. He's got these guns up there, and it, it's like an uh, just an, an M1, but it's got a grenade on the end of it. And it, there's a couple of German versions too. And I was like, so I started doing the research. the The early grenade launchers weren't like grenade launchers. It yeah. was you took a thing. Uh-huh. You slid it on the end of your barrel, and then you put in either a blank or something that had a wood bullet in it. I just thought use it the, to propel yeah. it to propel the force. <laughs> the coolest yeah. thing in the world, but the first guy who did that must have been like, "Shit!" <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more like it was more like that was probably never even on the radar. And you had a couple grunts that were out there, oh, drunk as hell, got a hold of some bootleg whiskey on the battlefield, more like. Hold my beer, watch this shit. <laughs> See if this works. Yeah, hold my beer, watch this shit. That's exactly how it works. I oh, mean, oh wow, that's cool. We're on to something. Yeah. yeah. Okay, now you can tell the commander. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been around some of those yeah. in my day. But I just, man, to, to stick a grenade on the end of the barrel of a gun, <laughs> pull the trigger, you've got some onions. Well, yeah. Well, you know that, you know that a water bottle... You know what this will double as when used properly? Huh. You can use it as a as a suppressor for a weapon. Oh yeah, I've, I've, right. Yeah. Okay. What what genius came up with that idea? Like, who looks at a water bottle and goes, "I bet that's a could be an awesome suppressor." Or the first guy who screwed a, an oil filter on the end of his gun. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, right. Like, there's just there's so many people that. There's so many people that think of stuff that you're just like, what? How did it? And it comes out and you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we need those people figuring out our border issues and not people who just want to make money. Well, and let's quit silencing those people and making them out to be some scary, like, bad guy. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't. Hey, you know what? Be glad I'm on your side. Yeah. Let's put them to work solving some problems instead of, like, putting them at the edge of society and saying – yeah, don't yeah. don't I think mean, that way anymore. In my mind, 
I always have a running list of people that I know and that I've met that that I say, and it'll hopefully probably never happen. But when it jumps off mm-hmm. and the revolution comes, mm-hmm. I've got about a twelve man <laughs> roster, ten to twelve man roster that I'm like, this guy, I'm going to get this guy. Yeah, uh, this guy's on my team. Yeah. I want this guy on my team, and and. I can be okay with those people. My neighbors said that they're they're just they're great, wonderful people, but they're they're just from they're just the quintessential suburban, yeah, and lovely people. But just they they know that I've I've got firearms. I've I've got I don't have a stockpile of ammo, but I've got enough to get me through what I always think is the the two week window. All right. And I've I've got uh, water in my basement that's in, it's in a giant container. Um, I've got a food set aside for you know shit hit the fan. You're a prepper, a, not quite because those guys are that. like three months to a year. Well, and some of them are yeah. Yeah, I'm not that, but my neighbor goes, man. If everything anything really goes bad, I'm coming to your house. No, you're not. <laughs> that's what I go. If you do, you better bring whiskey or ammo. <laughs> you better bring something. <laughs> See a guy. I had a buddy in high school that used to say, ask, gas, or grass. Nobody rides for free. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> you know, that sounds horrible, but hey, listen, dude, I'm I'm providing this, yeah. okay? It's not – yeah, and that's why I said those guys that are on my roster that I know that I'm calling, it's because I know they're bringing something to the table. Yeah. Well, and that, that mindset – One of my buddies, Stretch, that's out there, former oh, military yeah. guy, he's my comms expert. I mean, he was a, <laughs> he was a commo guy with 160, a special ops group. I'm like, hey, dude, you're my commo guy. And he can wire coming. anything together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that uh, actually pertains to the border border conversation. Like nobody gets to ride for free, right? But let's figure out what are you what are you bringing to the table? Exactly. That's the intake process. Is what do you got? Because I'm telling you, these people who are that's the other thing is that we ought to be impressed with somebody who's walked for days, weeks, or months (laughs) with their children in tow, have survived the desert. We should be like just slow clap. <laughs> well done. Okay. I want you. Come on in. Let's give you a job because we know you're serious about this. Heard the phrase "takes one to know one." Yeah. All right. Okay. So, one of the things that the military got right when I was in there, not because I would ever think there was things that they got wrong, right? But, but one of the things they got right was when I was in when I was in Panama. Okay. Um, there is a indigenous group of people called the Kunas. They're, they're Indians, the okay. Kuna Indians, and they live in the jungles and in the forest, and they've lived there. Their people have lived there for years. So they don't really care that a military base came in. Uh-huh. We were here long before you, and the military base is now gone, and they're still there. Uh-huh. Well, it was causing a lot of problems because they would come in and – and scavenge and and grab things that they weren't supposed to grab. And so what's the answer? Put up armed guards and shoot them, which doesn't go well for building local relations. Long term. So here's what they did. And they built them their own set of barracks on the base. Yeah. Their own set. And then they gave them all jobs in the kitchen. Doing KP, which anybody who ever has right. served in uniform knows about KP, and it sucks. Right. Right? So they gave them jobs as KP, and those guys would scrub the pots and pans and clean the floors and just do all this nasty – Not, I mean just all this shit that Nobody the grunts didn't want to do. And they loved it because then they didn't have – they had an air-conditioning barracks. Yeah. They had a soft bed. They had running water. They had all this stuff that they didn't have. Yeah. And so what happened? All the – I want to say attacks, but all the little 
skirmishes skirmishes that started happening went away mm-hmm. and then relationships were developed these guys used to, i mean i used to go hang out with them on the beach yeah cuz you know right there on the ocean and they would take pots big like the big 20 quart pots from the mess hall build a fire on the beach and then they'd catch lobsters fresh oh out of the gosh. ocean and cook them right there. <laughs> and then they'd be like, here. And you'd be like, oh, my goodness, this is fabulous. Yeah. Or this guy climbed up. I was drinking. One time I was down there and I was drinking a, a pina colada. Like, I don't know why. I must have been <laughs> just out of my mind. That song going through my head, pina colada is getting wild. I don't know. But this little kuna comes up to me and he's like, what you drinking? And I'm like, pina colada. And he just started chuckling. <laughs> And I was like, what's your problem, dude? And he goes and shimmies up this coconut tree, grabs a coconut, cracks it with his hands, scoops out the stuff, pours some rum into it, and gives it to me. Me and Colada. And I'm like, and not only did it send me out of my gourd, probably whatever else he put in, (laughs) but it was the best I'd ever had. So by embracing and utilizing these guys' skill sets and not trying to push them away and keep them out, we developed relationships. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where we have to start. Yeah, immigration is good because diversity is good. And to be afraid of – and I I think it was Tucker Carlson was – trying to flip the script and say well the the liberals are you know the, they're the ones who don't like their neighborhoods to change and have gated communities and, and don't want different ethnicities in and they're the ones who bring them all the open borders everybody needs to get on board with ethnic diversity is good i mean we, we have to manage we don't have ethnic issues we have human issues and sometimes they're they're more intensified in an ethnicity but that's usually because of the broader human issue that of racism that we put on them the issue is not the issue the issue is not immigration right the issue is imago day yeah the issue is not rehabilitation in the prison system Mm -hmm. the issue is imago day yeah the image is the, the issue for a Christian has to be we have to go to the starting point of made in the image of God. Yeah. And when they are made in the image of God, we figure out how to walk and how to work with that person. And here's what gets me. We have people in the U.S. that are heinous criminals, have done horrible things. Mm-hmm. And we treat them better than we do some of these people that are wanting to cross the border to seek a better life. To contribute. To contribute. <laughs> it's just – it baffles me. Now, are, is there going to be some – you know what? Is there going to be some bad that comes in with that? Yep. And when that happens, we'll deal with it. Yeah. It's, because we have people in this country that will deal with it. Yeah. It's, it's the same with – you know, uh, same position we're going to take on, on gun control. I mean the two of us. Are there bad things that are going to happen with guns? Yep. Does that mean we just put up a wall around gun stores and nobody can get a gun? No. No, no, no. We, you you want to manage it? Again, as open the borders and more guns. Yes. Both sides are happy. <laughs> we, we manage it as best we can, and there will yeah. always be a debate. But there's the, always a contingency. Yes, and it, there should always be some tension and say, okay, more of this. Oh, no, no a little bit less of this. And, but we shouldn't be trying to decide if people are people. We shouldn't try to decide if it's okay to treat people in a way that – it is, is absolutely abhorrent. And right. we shouldn't be debating these things. We should be debating how do we best give an opportunity to people that is beneficial to both sides. Because I, I am And what happens? What's our contingency for when we let someone in 
who then we find out duped us and is a bad person. Catapult. Does that mean we just slam the garage door and nobody else comes in? No, catapult. No, catapult. <laughs> but, but there has to be a contingency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, another thing that the military does really well that was ingrained in, into me as a soldier was anytime I left the patrol base, anytime I left a secure area, anytime I did anything, there was a five, what we had was a five point contingency plan. Yeah. You know, where I'm going, others I'm taking with me. What to do if I don't come back, or time I'll be back. What to do if I get hit, what to do if you come get hit. Yeah. What to do if I don't come back. And it's all these contingency plans. Whenever I break contact from my original mission, what am I going to do? What am I going to do if this happens, if this happens, if right. this happens? And there's a system put in place, right. and that's rehearsed. So it's ingrained into you. What's your five point? What's mm-hmm. your five point? See, that's one area where you'd like to five points probably. Yeah. And it's different. Than, <laughs> that's the only that's where my five point comes from. <laughs> you always thought it was Calvinist. No, it's five point contingency plan. I was a warrior long before I was. I just had a thought. So we have we have two issues that we've talked about, um, one of them a lot less, but the, this this prison issue or those, those people. You're who on are, this prison kick. Yeah, this, th- those lifetime that – I mean we both agree that there are those who um, – just because of circumstances, I'm not saying they're they're born this way. I'm just saying that there are people who cannot be rehabilitated, and maybe we can figure out who they are. What if we send them over the wall? <laughs> send them that way. In fact, how about this? <laughs> Those people that we bring across, oh, like okay. their first. Well, that's the end of this fellow show today. <laughs> yeah. just, no, just Kelly's backing out of the room slowly. <laughs> I don't even know this asshole. <laughs> no, no. I'm, no, actually, I'm thinking, I love this asshole. I just don't know if this should be on the air. Because what if the first thing – so somebody That's all right. Nobody's listening anyway. That's right. The first thing you come through, we coach we coach people, all right, you need to go find one American who just sucks at life. That <laughs> so won't be hard. We'll just trade them one for one. So go find an idiot and bring them to us and we'll send them over. And then if they can't make it in Mexico, they can try and – it can become like this. Instead of prison, we'll just – Put people over the wall in Mexico. Yeah, I don't know how that's. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's let's put that on the burner. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's let that simmer a little okay, bit. That we'll may come. not be the best idea. No, I mean I'm not. I think it's a great idea. You know what? You know what? I, I just don't know how. If I'm going to sit here and talk about how people are made in the image <laughs> of God, and even though I may not like what they stand for, I need to treat them like a human and grant them. <laughs> Some general decency and yeah, give them some right, and then that's, but these people over here they don't, <laughs> just throw them across. Uh, yeah. I had I changed my mind. Not Mexico. We, we should send them to Canada. Yeah, because that could make Canada better. Yeah. Give them a little bit more edge. That would yeah. be better. Bring me your tired and your weak and your oppressed, and then I'll give you my scumbag, <laughs> the felons, and the criminals, and the career. I don't know, man. <laughs> I got a soft spot. I, I, I will admit it. I was just because I'm a social justice warrior again, but I got a soft spot for guys that are felons and oh, me too. coming out of incarceration. Not yeah. just guys, but men, but mostly guys because I, you know, I don't really like to work with women in that situation because it's just not a good environment for right. me as a married man. Um, but working with guys like that because man, I've again, I'm not trying to paint myself with some hardened guy who did federal time and came out and changes, but right. But I've been, you know, I've I've been locked up and I've done some bad stuff and I've broken the laws and and I get it. I'm not saying what they did was okay. I'm not saying that okay right. that at all. But what I am saying is that with surrounded by the right guys and the right people and put on the right path and given the right opportunities, I've seen a lot of those guys right. change their life around. And I got two or three of them that work for me right now. And I tell you what. The way they conduct themselves, you would never know that some of these guys have, you know, 
been here or been there because there's there's nothing about them yeah that you see that indicates that it's because somebody gave them a chance i just don't understand the the mindset seems to me as simple as the, the analogy i would use is playing seven card stud right you're yeah. playing poker somebody plays their hand everybody gets dealt cards maybe your hand's better than my hand whatever cards you get are better than mine if if i screw that hand up if i play it terribly and I, I pay a consequence. I go to prison. Yeah. Now I come back out, and you go, "All right, try again." Only this time, we're all playing seven card stud, but you're you're only getting five cards. Well, <laughs> come on, you, you're, you're taking yeah. away. You're 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 making you're stacking literally yeah, stacking, literally the, deck stacking the deck. And in some ways, though, but if I there are situations where we're playing seven card, I could beat you with five cards. Right, no, that's it's not impossible. Yeah, but yeah, it is yeah, going to yeah. be a little harder for me. Well, and if you, and you, I don't necessarily know sometimes that that's wrong. But if you, maybe we don't deal them five cards, maybe we deal them six. Yeah, but and then you, the next time we deal them five, the next time you just don't get dealt in. You just right. don't get dealt in. But if you if you play that scenario out through, throughout the the millions of people who go through the system, yeah, of course you're, you're going to find this recidivism rate that is super high because you're saying, okay, you didn't do a good job the first time. Now we're going to tag you with a label called felon. Go do a better job. Well, you've just reduced a ton of opportunity and and you've put me in a position where it's going to be harder for me somebody that we're saying got dealt a shitty hand or or even if they didn't but let's just let's just go with a guy is just a, an idiot yeah. he, he had the a great hand dealt to him and he did something wrong okay now try again that was me I mean, I, yeah. had, I had a great hand dealt to me. I, I don't. That's I true. can't. I've met your parents. Huh? <laughs> I've met your family. They're yeah. So like, I can't use the excuse of, I'll say excuse, but you know, like a lot of times in recovery circles, you see the guy who grew up didn't have a strong male role model in his wife. Mom was bouncing around doing this and that. Yeah. You know, didn't have any family support, and and it led. And so I can hear those stories and go, I can see how you yeah. wound up yeah. screwed up because you didn't have anybody. It was like you on the plane yeah. on the Ambien. You didn't have anybody <laughs> pointing you. Come sit me down. Point come, sitting you down. <laughs> yeah. Okay? That's not my story. Yeah. You know, you've met my parents. You've met my family, you know, and I have people all the time. Right. And I'm not going to go way deep into it, but my wife is constantly – well, my wife constantly harps on me. I mean, I, <laughs> if you met my wife, you know that. Oh. If you met me, you understand why she's doing it. Are you it. saying she's a woman? <laughs> I'm saying she – no, I'm saying she's superwoman. <laughs> If, if being a woman means you're constantly harping on your husband, then my wife is not a woman. She is superwoman. In all seriousness, though, I mean, she does a. If you haven't figured it out yet, it's going to take a pretty special kind of woman to deal with my shit. Mm-hmm. And she's that woman. Yeah. And there's times when she doesn't win, and it infuriates me, and I just like. Ugh. But. When cooler heads prevail, I go, I, I need that. I need mm-hmm. that woman in my life because if I got a woman that's just like, you just do whatever you want, baby. I don't care, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's hell on wheels. It's not good. <laughs> She's a good balance for me. Um, but she'll tell me all the time, you don't realize how good you have it. Like you don't realize how good you have it with your family system. Mm, yeah. And I'm not going to talk about anybody else's family system. I'm just talking about mine. My parents have been married for you know, 47 years. Three kids. My grandfather, um, my dad's dad, just passed away not well, a couple weeks ago, and we had a chance to go back down to the farm. And I saw a lot of my cousins, and I saw you know, I got to go back to kind of the land where I grew up. Mm-hmm. It was really cool, you know. And I I've done that with my other grand. You know, I have one living grandparent left now, um, who is in an assisted living facility, and 
nursing home, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But I have tons of aunts and uncles that support me and, you know, that I can call or that I can do. And I just have a great support system. So I can't use the crutch of, right. oh, I had a sh- I got dealt a shitty hand. No, I got I got dealt a killer hand. Yeah. I was the guy that if we're playing seven-card stud and you discard what? Two. Two and you mm-hmm. got to draw. I'm the guy that gets dealt two aces. Two kings, or I get dealt a full house, and I deal out two of the cards to draw two more. Yeah, I just played. I just played my cards stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's and and I think we are we do a disservice to people when we say everybody starts with the same hand. It's just not bullshit. True. I, it, that, get out of your bubble if you believe that. Like seriously, if you, yeah. I don't like to be dealing absolutes. But if you think that everybody starts with the same hand, you are absolutely an idiot. Yeah, it, you're just a, or you're absolutely not being honest. One of the two, right? Because it does not happen. Maybe maybe you've just never been in a situation. Yeah, I you, get that. Yeah. Like you've never seen somebody who grows up and has never seen somebody who's got a different set of circumstances in their own. So you grow, is that possible though? Is that possible in today's day and age of technology and instant news and 24-hour 7 news coverage? I worry that it's more possible today than ever before. Really? Yeah, because um, of the we, they talk a lot online about the echo chamber. Yeah. So you start to build this thing where um, the second you see something that's a little bit different, you go, oh, I'm not sure if that's right or if it's good. And then now what happens is you turn to your friends online who sound like you, look like you, agree with you, and they go, no, 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 that person's wrong. And so it kind of reinforces this bubble. You're, I, yeah. I would just love to take some of those people who um, think that everybody starts in the same place and just, just grab them by the scruff of the neck and take them down and make them live for just a month in the inner city somewhere and be mm-hmm. like, okay, so you're telling me that when you were in fifth grade, mm-hmm. if your dad wasn't here – siblings were, were all gangbangers and your your mom was a drunk and didn't even hardly talk to you, that you'd get yourself up every morning, make yourself breakfast and get yourself to school and be thinking to yourself, someday I'm going to be a successful lawyer. No, you you would you would do the only thing that's being modeled to you. This is what humans do. So I've had great modeling over my life that is, has led to me living the life that I live right now. Why would I expect somebody to, with zero um, modeling or example to, to live a different way than what's shown them? I, I don't ever go to Kenya and discover, look, at this indigenous tribe in Kenya lives just like Americans. Yeah, never yeah, – really? <laughs> well, I wonder why that is. <laughs> so weird. It's, it's like they live the way that they've always lived and sometimes they get exposure to something else and they start to change. But we, we have – developed a system where we can limit our exposure to only people who agree with us but yes <laughs> that's what I, i'm scared i mean that's not again that's one of those things where i'm like ah, like yeah i agree with you we can limit it but i think i really think that if you have if you have i think it's really hard in this day and age to not realize that there are people that were not that were dealt a shitty hand from the beginning to, to, to go, I just, I'm not sure that those people exist. I, I think you've got to be, you've got to be intentionally blocking out some factors. I don't think yeah. you can claim, I didn't know that. Right. Or, you know, I, I just, I don't know. How do you, how do you get to the point in today's society where you go, everybody's dealt the same hand? Like, have you been off your block? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so we're out here living faith, 
right? We're out in the, Clive, uh, Iowa. Clive, Iowa, which probably nice about houses. 150th and Hickman, mm-hmm. right? Sub- typical suburban, pretty much white. Oh yeah, you know area town. White Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, Protestant. I, I mean, I could I could go out there, and I probably couldn't. I probably couldn't swing a. Like, I couldn't throw a rock and hit somebody that's of a different nationality or you know, unless they're right now. I, there might be somebody in the church or something. That's, no, yeah, but I mean, as far as the neighborhood, it's pretty. It's pretty white, cracker white. It's pretty cracker white. <laughs> if I take you twenty miles mm-hmm. to the east, it's it might still be cracker white. Difference. But it's a whole lot different crack of white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I take you 20 miles in another direction, it might be crack of white still. Yeah. Because where I where I grew up was crack of white. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't this kind of crack of white. No. It's a different world down in, in, in rural America. Yes. <laughs> you know? Like oh it's different. Gosh. Yeah. It's a different America over on the east side. And that's still people that are just dealing in, in white America. Uh-huh. When that's without throwing in pockets of little cities of little neighborhoods that are uh-huh. black or that are Hispanic or that are Asian or whatever. So mm-hmm. just go hang out. Go 10 miles from your neighborhood. And hang yeah. out somewhere different, and tell me that you had the same that everybody's dealt the same hand. You know, when I hear not, it, it's just there's no way you can believe that. I, I hear it when I I hear echoes of it, and, and maybe I'm making assumptions and reading too much. In I'll, I'll admit that. But when I hear people say, "Man, I, you know, against the welfare system, against the whole concept of um, you know helping people, and, and this idea of you got to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps," I'm gonna look at people and go, "Some people didn't get bootstraps." Yeah. Some people didn't get boots. Some people didn't get boots, bro. <laughs> like, some people didn't get feet to yeah. put in the boots. I'm with you. That that yes. I'm absolutely. against the welfare system. Yeah. I'm totally against our welfare system. I am too. I'm I, totally against the way our welfare system is set up currently. With the way it works. But see, that's what we do. We we want, like we said earlier, mm-hmm. we want to put everything in li- in neat little boxes. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're either pr- open borders or you're closed borders. Yep. You're either pro-welfare or anti-welfare. Yep. You're either pro-gun or anti-gun. No. Like there's a whole other realm of – there's – you know, it's the same thing we talk about in politics. You've got – you got a two-party system. Mm-hmm. There are so many other political views other than the two-party system, and until we get away from that, we're not going to see change because all we're doing is lining our politicians' pockets with money. Yeah. Because there's one side and there's two sides, and they're always going to be opposed. It's real easy to have an opposition to one opposition yeah. to your view, and all we do is just so this keep is lining their pockets. This is one place. Where so who's actually, really the idiots here? Yeah, I'm actually just a little bit excited or encouraged by not the Trump presidency, but by this thing that happened. That is, people were like, I don't know, let's try something that yes. doesn't feel real Republican and doesn't feel real. And then you get people starting to line up and you, you get Republicans going, oh, OK, I don't agree with that guy. I think that's wrong. I go, oh, my good. My <laughs> wife and I have this conversation all the time because she is not a, she is not a Trumper. Oh, yeah. I'm close. not either. And I'm not either. Yeah. But and she's like, I just she's always like, I can't believe how this guy got in office, blah, blah, blah. And I said, really, you can't. Oh, I totally see. And it. She's yeah. like, no. Like, how did we how were we so stupid that we let this guy in office? I said, let me break it down for you, real simple. We had, we had Obama for eight years. Uh-huh. People got fed up with that. Before that, we had a Republican in office. Uh-huh. People got fed up with that. People are getting tired of the traditional right, 
left this, that, the back and forth, the mundane. And here comes this guy named Trump who is middle finger waving, finger pointing. I'm going to make America great. I don't give a damn about your feelings. I don't care if I hurt your feelings. We're going to do this and we're going to – and so most of the people that like Trump don't like his policies really. Yeah. They like his attitude, and because they like his attitude, and and it's a fresh change from where we've been, they'll be like, "I can get behind that." Yeah, it's kind of like when you meet when you meet the girl at the bar. Uh-huh. All right, <laughs> she's not the best looking girl in the bar, but she's got some qualities that you really dig. So you're like, "I'm willing to forego that a little bit because she's a really great cook, or she's got a really great personality." See, you thought I was going somewhere else. <laughs> Sicko. What? Sicko. <laughs> See, nah, I, the way I, I changed it. in midstroke. Yeah, you were I, going there. I was going there. I thought, ah, <laughs> probably not good. But, you know, you're willing to – and that's I mean, that's just one analogy. You know, yeah, yeah. You can, you can sacrifice something because this outweighs it. So I think there's a lot of people that are sacrificing morally what they believe to be correct – because finally, some guy's coming in and standing up to the system and going, "F you, we're not doing it that way. Right. We're doing it this way, you know." And if you don't like it, tough shit. And I think there's a whole lot of Americans out there that want that feeling. I agree. I want that feeling. <clears throat> My problem is, is I don't, I don't want it with the morality. That's yeah, I don't want it with Trump. Yeah, I don't want it with Trump <laughs> because, like I said, I feel like from a moral standpoint, the guy's just. Bankrupt. Yeah. You know, the big deal yesterday about how he signed the new order or whatever. He okay. solved the problem he caused? Yeah, he solved the problem he caused. Well, first of all, <laughs> let's be honest. Why did that get signed? Uh, because his the, wife and daughter went down there and yeah. were like, hey, you need to do something about this. Yeah. Now, whether or not that I, – I don't know. But, I mean, he, yeah. he solved the – solved – Air quotes, the problem that he started. Yeah. He didn't solve shit. Nope. The problem's still there. Yep. And now we just have the right that's going to say, well, we gave him what you wanted. We're making it illegal to hold the children. So what are you bitching about? Right. My my no. thought on the whole thing was, so I, I had great hope and expectation for Obama. I really did. I, and I, I'm like, man, this is going to be different. At what point in time? Like, are you talking like right when he got put into office yeah i mean i voted for him okay. I, I was like so both times yeah no i did if you don't mind me asking no Some I people are like i don't want to but talk i can't about remember okay. <laughs> all right That's but cool. my my thought was i mean all the stuff that he was saying i'm like man i'm i'm on board with enough of that i'm not on board with a lot of the the left democrat stuff that that is economics but i don't right. make enough money for that to matter yeah <laughs> so right for me personally it's like well, i don't care if you tax rich people more i ain't rich so yeah. but i all, Vote your pocketbook. Yeah, set all that aside, and I go. Man, he wants to. He wants to pull out of Afghanistan. Yeah. He wants to close Gitmo. He wants to um, make it so that whistleblowers are protected. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm like, this is this is good. And then he gets in office. And I go, but the yeah, you didn't. What, what happened? <laughs> you lied to me. And it's actually the duped. same thing. I mean, what is the difference between Obama and Bush? Well, we got a bunch of people shooting at other people in the sandbox. We got you know all of these issues and all of these issues and corporate greed and all this kind of stuff. And I go, how really different is? is so we talk about diff, you know when we're campaigning, this is our thing and that is their thing, and it's super duper different. And then they get in office and you go, okay, so nothing actually changed. We're going to have gun reform. We're going to stop these school shootings. Well, we didn't. Yep. Well, we're going to have health care reform and our health care is going to be free and better and awesome. Well, it isn't. We're, so 
I for a flyer, you're like, ah, this guy doesn't seem like a Republican or a Democrat. Right. Let's just get tired him. of the same old shit. And I kind of kind of want him. I don't want him to fail in a way that is catastrophic to our country. Like I don't, I don't want you know to wake up to mushroom clouds. Yeah. But I do think it'd be awesome if he broke the system to the point where it was like. Like the country sort of collectively was like, "Hey guys, we should do something different." That was that well, was. We're already. Cool. I think we're there. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I think that like there was a guy I was watching on the news last night, and he was just like, "He's like, I don't think anybody in the Republican camp can say that what just happened right now is political suicide." That he's like, "The the, the death corner is gonna re- is going to rule this as political suicide." Yeah, he's like, "Because you just." Trump, you just killed you just killed your presidency. Right. Like this will go down as one of the biggest gaffes in US presidential history. So I hear what you're saying. Maybe I haven't thought through it enough. That's possible. But my thing is is like I I want him to succeed. For sure. Now I want that success to kind of give him a, a change of heart and to start quit being just a schmuck. You know, but I want him to succeed, and that's what I tell my wife. I said, "You sit there and you talk about Trump this and blah blah blah." And yeah, okay, listen, I think Trump morally is just bankrupt. But let's take our personal feelings out of it, which is really hard to do, and let's just look at what he's accomplished and what he's done in his time in office. And he's done some pretty good things. I, there's, there's a hint, and that's he's that's done also, some really stupid things. And yeah. this is like the immigration thing is just like it's like my kid who like all of a sudden he has like he does all these great things and then he just does something stupid. And I'm just like, oh, where did yeah. that come from, moron? You were doing so good, right? Well, that's that's what's I think for for me very frustrating about Trump is that um, there are a number of things I kind of go. Yes, I wonder if I agree with that. And I, and I'm, I just I don't mean, want to give that arrogant prick any I satisfaction. <laughs> I know. Totally agree. With that. Yeah, and like, I, I don't him. want to say he's right because the guy's an asshat. Yeah, like he is an asshat. Right, and and I don't think he offers good solutions. No, but there's a handful of stuff like I. I but he's not the guy that should be offering solutions. Correct. He's the guy that should be managing the process. Right. And so I'm going to go out here and I'm going to tell you this: I don't care about Trump's extramarital affairs. I have with you. I don't care about how many times he's filed bankruptcy. Right. I don't care about his moral indiscretions. Mm-hmm. He's not my pastor. Mm-hmm. He's not my role model. He is the guy that we have voted in to oversee the policies of our government. Right. I want a business manager there. That's what I want. I want a guy who can manage process and procedure. And Trump, by all accounts, can do that. And he can do it really well if he surrounds himself with people that are way smarter and diplomatic than he is. And just just – for one, just shut up, Trump. Yeah. Stay off, stay off Twitter, bro. Yeah, I'm trying to defend you, that. and you're making it really, really hard. <laughs> right. Morally, I think, but it's the same way Bill Clinton was commander in chief when I was in service. Yeah, and everybody's like, "Well, how do you feel about serving for uh, your commander in chief being a guy that did this with the money?" I don't give a damn. I really don't. Right. I really don't because let's be honest. I'm not rubbing elbows with the commander in chief at my level. Yeah. I want a guy who's going to make solid decisions. And if you think that Trump and Clinton are the only presidents that ever had that (laughs) never heard of JFK. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That that had wandering penis syndrome. Like you. you, Yeah. You need to do some research. So I, I don't care. 
what so I like things like for for just a single example. There's there's countless others I feel different about, like the Paris Accord. Right. I care a great deal about the environment. Um, this is where I'm I'm not full on conservative right wing. I care about it because I go into it. That that's where I get my food. I go and hunt these critters and I eat them and they're yummy. And so I want I want to have the option to go out west and hunt elk and do cool stuff. I, I want to do that. I want our environment to stay as good as possible. But the Paris Accord is this thing where – Can you just catapult the meat back? <laughs> there you go. Oh, I got him thinking. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tune in next week live for Luke's Catapult Solutions. But yeah, trebuchet work better. Um, the idea that that – we were in this Paris Accord where we signed a document that said we will give a bunch of money to the big thing that is the Paris Accord. And, and, and I know this is a gross oversimplification. We're like paying taxes for carbon. I go, that actually is just money moving. Mm-hmm. That isn't reduction of pollution. It's almost money laundering. Yeah. And like <laughs> we're just moving money places and saying – Shifting it around. We're going to pay for how much we pollute. We're going to pay these other countries that don't pollute as much. Um. So, but but we're not going to pollute less. <laughs> so that's you're just paying fines. Yeah, I'm with I'm with the Paris Accord backing out of that thing. Now he didn't give any kind of solution, right? And of like the EPA, the the guy was it Scott Pruitt, I think is head yeah, of the EPA. Probably I don't know. Like that guy is not not helping anything. <laughs> Environment's not going to get better under Trump. But it, it that dumb thing of the Paris Accord, I, I'm I'm all for that. But my biggest thing that I'm excited about is the Democrats. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to vote for the next election because I don't know who's going to be up against Trump. But here's what's brilliant: you don't think it'll be Hillary? It could be, and that that would drive me crazy. That that will I think really shatter the the, the political left. spectrum. Well, I think the the Democrats will will fracture and we'll have a third party. Yeah, they'll have to because it'd be like seriously, we're, we just tried this and it didn't work. Yeah. And we're going to try this again? Like I think – because she is the quintessential like just stamped Democrat. I mean she just fits it perfectly and that didn't work. So if the Democrats are smart, they'll come up with a candidate that's like a different thing. Like Bernie? See, I would be excited about that. But I mean they rigged the system against him and I think he's too old by the way. Yeah, I, I, think I think he's he, too old. Like guy. I- I want to love. I want to love Bernie Sanders. Me too. <laughs> I, I mean, I do love Bernie Sanders as a as a as a man. My good day. Like, yeah, as a you know, <laughs> like. But I just I can't like he I can't get behind him as president. There's too much stuff where it's like kind of like my crazy old uncle. Yeah, like who I just love, but uh-huh. it's just his mind started to slip a little bit, and it's just like, all right, yeah, dude, love you. High five, fist bump. Don't let that guy anywhere near policy making uh-huh. our family anymore. <laughs> you know, I love him, but he's not of sound mind. Yeah, and I think. But Bernie has some great ideas, and I, I'd, I'd love it if they work. Right? But they don't work. Well, I'm not. I'm not sold. Or we don't have the systems in place to make them work. Yeah. You've got great goals, but how do we get there? Don't yeah, be, yeah. you know, don't be the guy that just goes. This is what we're gonna do. Yay! This is where we want to be. Okay. Wait. 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 Before we start the journey, let's figure out how we're gonna get there. Because if we don't, we're gonna be in a bigger mess than we are. Right. Now. I'm. I'm also the guy who rejects the whole idea of there's too many things that he wants that we can't afford. I go. Uh, we can afford a lot of. Yeah. We I can afford. Bullshit. Let's be honest. We can afford about anything we want. Yeah. We if, just might have to redistribute where our money goes. Yeah. Like if we bombed just like one less country. <laughs> If we just, yeah. you know, if, if we if we had just, let's just abandon. If we just didn't pay our 
senators and presidents mm-hmm. more money than yeah. There's there's all, I I think there's such great waste. I mean, just the fact that we cannot audit the Pentagon. Yeah, like that's against the, the, the Pentagon has come back and said it's too complicated. We can't tell you how we spend yeah, money. Yeah, I know. I, really? I, yeah. <laughs> I, see, that one's tough for me. I know because like I get it, like transparency, and I get it. But I've also I, – I know the realism of what it takes to defend a country. Yeah. And I know that there's certain things that happen and that are certain things um, – put it like this. When I wore the uniform, there was certain things that happened that I knew were happening and was involved with uh-huh. that most people in the general public didn't know. Right. Oh, for sure. No, and I, you know, very rarely. You know me. I don't walk around and go. Well, one time I was. I just. I don't do that. Right. I don't. I don't. I've never been that guy. Um. So I get the fact that Americans want to know, but there's some, there's some, there's some stuff that you don't need to know, man. I'm not. I'm not arguing that. And you I, don't. I'm with you there. But whatever that is that you were involved in that we don't need to know didn't cost billions of dollars. Ah. Uh, I. I I won't strenuously object, but I disagree <laughs> a little bit. Billions I think, of dollars. I mean, I get it, but again, that is part of that. Part of it, I, I agree with what you're saying. I do, and I hear what you're saying, and I think transparency is great and knowing where our money's going. I also know, and this is a little bit of the old soldier in me, where you know, I just, I just follow orders. Yeah, and that's dangerous sometimes. I'll admit that. Right. But there's, there's things that there's things that. Our government, as far as a defense budget, spends money on that not everybody needs to know about. Agreed. And now there are – but the caveat to that is there's a lot of shit that our government spends money on in the defense budget that we need to know about because we don't need to be spending money on that shit. Well, even even just the policy of – so like the – I don't know how much you know about the, the F-35 joint um, strike fighter plane. Okay, so we're developing this. Wars are men by wars are won by men with boots on the ground. Agreed. Yeah, and we've got <clears throat> we've got and billions. women. Sorry, no, you know no, what? No, it's wars not. are <laughs> wars are won by men with boots on the ground. That's not to say women don't have a place, but they don't. I, I, I'm a I'm a believer in yeah. not having women in combat. Well, I don't I don't. Know but that. I don't. We probably don't want to go there. Yeah, I'll, I'll like piss side, some people off. Side side conversation. I don't actually agree with that, but I, I think that obvious roles should be. I think roles should be awarded by merit and ability. Sure, and as long as you have, as long as you have separate genders in American culture, that will never happen. Well, and I, I think as we long used it in Vietnam, the the Vietnamese used to put women and children at front of their patrols. Why? Because as American males, we are taught from yeah. an early age. At least we used to be. I think it's slipped a little bit now yeah. to defer to women and children. Right. So when when I'm a point man on a patrol in the jungle and I come across a woman mm-hmm. holding a baby, crying, who's coming to seek us. No, yeah, sorry. Right. <laughs> right? My first instinct is what? Lower yeah. my weapon. Yep. We don't hurt women and children. Right. That split second I lower my weapon is the split second the guy hiding behind the bush puts one in my head. Yep. Because I hesitated. Right. And that will – it will happen if you put women and men in the same combat zone. Number one, there's the whole like fornication thing that's going to yeah. be an issue. Yeah. But you don't think that some men are going to be – are not going to look at their female counterpart differently and be more concerned with them than they are their male counterpart? Absolutely. Absolutely they yeah. will. Psychologically impossible not to and, and it creates Well, let's problems. say even hypothetically it is possible. Do we – through training and reprogramming, do we want to do that to guys? 
What, reprogram them? Yeah, reprogram them. We already do. What are you talking about? I mean to— No, I'm serious. We do. If you don't think that our soldiers are reprogrammed— That's what I'm saying, to reprogram to think that women— Yeah. Are— Expendable, like the well, same as yeah, and it's for me, then, it's not an equality issue. It's not like oh, well, women aren't equal. Right. Hey, listen, look at me, dude. Total dad bod going on, <laughs> fat belly, you know, out of shape. There's women out there that are in way better shape physically than I am. That could handle the physical rigors of it. I'm not saying they can't. It's right. not that you're weak. Right. It's the fact that I, I know what the horrors of combat can do to a person. I right. know. I've dealt with them. I don't want women to have to deal with that. That doesn't make me sexist, like no. whatever. It makes me <laughs> – what's the man's role right? to shepherd the woman? I'm just coming at it from the, the sociological. Yeah. Like, said all, so for instance, I'm, I'm willing to bet – I don't – you've never told me a story, but I'm willing to bet there was a time in the military you and some guys in a bar – had a couple of beers too many and maybe started to throw some hands, right? Wow. Probably happens pretty regularly, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. So now if we are working so – It didn't that, even happen in bars. Sometimes it happened in the <laughs> barracks. Right. So now let's say we're working you, – even at that point, the likelihood of you doing that with a woman, pretty low. Yeah. So now let's let's go to – we're programming guys so that the person next to them is just the person next to them. So now if you're in a bar and you're drinking beer and your buddy runs their mouth, you're going to take a swing. Well, what if that buddy happens to be a, a woman? woman? And, and and you just don't see a difference because yeah. you, it has been drilled into you. Yep. There is no difference. Now yep. that guy comes back into the States and he's you know a civilian now yeah. and he's in a bar and some – Girl runs her mouth in a bar. Well, because that never happens in America, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Do we want to live in a culture where we're reintroducing into our population men who have been taught that there is zero difference and that and, – and I agree that people should be treated equally but not the same. Oh, absolutely. There's a difference because I no, – That's a good – I see what you're saying. <laughs> that's what terrifies me is well, guys I can coming tell back you that that's like, a really – that's a really – some people might hear that and go, oh, that's that's such a stretch. No. <laughs> Brother, it's not. <laughs> no. And in the in the sense of full disclosure, that has that is a struggle. Like yeah. I here's what separates okay, so a guy like me, if you've met me, I am not physically imposing. I am not like I, I don't have big muscles where I can just stand over somebody and intimidate right. them with my size. Some people have told me that I have an intimidating persona. Yeah. I don't really think it's intimidating. I think it's just more confident. Like you're, I, I told somebody the other day, you're not, you're not going to scare me. Right. Like, you're not going to scare me. I just – I was having a conversation with a guy and it was about flying actually. And they were like, oh, you're scared of flying? And I just looked over at him and I said, Victor – there's not really anything that scares me. It's not that I don't scare to fly. I just don't like it. Uh-huh. I don't like it. I don't like the, what it does to my body. I've got bad sinuses, so yeah. it pops my ears. But I'm not scared of too much. And I think that's more what people mean when they say you're intimidating. Like I just, I don't run from danger. I run to danger. I love it. it gives me, you know, yeah. a little bit of maybe a balance there. But so when I came. What's what makes me successful in areas that some people would view as like combat or chaos or violence is not that I'm any I'm what makes me better is violence of action and willingness mm-hmm. and the ability to not think just do. 
Yeah. So if you're a threat to me, I'm not sitting there going, ooh, this guy's six foot. He probably outweighs me by 50 pounds, so I probably shouldn't mess with uh, – none of that goes through my mind. Something's what goes through my mind is, is it go time? And yeah. if it's go time, what's my next action? I look at a guy like you that's quite a bit more muscular than me. If it's go time, I'm punching you in the throat straight up. That's the first place I'm going. And when you reach up to grab your throat, I'm taking out your knee. And right there, problem solved. Uh-huh. Pretty much for the average guy. And all of that do you want weightlifting do you, I've done. I, so here's the bad part. Like I've been in situations when I first got out of the military where I would be in – I've been in bar fights after I got out. And somebody – some dude would be running his mouth and I would just be like, yep, OK, whatever. you know. And then the next thing you know, I've racked that guy across his collarbone with the fat end of a pool stick, broken his collarbone and put him on the floor. And his – some lady in the other in the other end is like you die. She starts yelling at me and like coming up and hitting me from behind. And my first thought is, put her down. You're next. And yeah. then I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's wrong with me? I can't do that because I'm not in a combat situation. Right. Okay. And some people are hearing that right now, going, holy cow. Well, you want to know what extreme exposure to those kind of circumstances does to people? Now you know. It's not an excuse. No, it, it's wrong for me to have those thoughts, but it's a survival mode that was drilled into me. When when threat when faced with violence, my immediate reaction will always be stop the threat. Yeah. I'm much better at now going, walk away, yeah. drop the rope. I've got another out here. I don't have to right. engage in this. But, see, but it you, was a struggle for a long time, man. But you had a catch that that stopped you from right. engaging that woman. I'm saying if if we're putting men and women in the same combat roles, right. you're training that catch right. out of Kelly. And that's what I'm saying. It's hard enough now <laughs> to do with a catch. You yeah. remove that catch and it's going to be game on. Mm-hmm. Why do, and what's one of the reasons I have that catch now? Family upbringing. Family upbringing, faith, yeah. guys in my life that have helped me yeah. work through some stuff. But to circle back to a conversation that we just had a few minutes ago, Remember that guy that I told you about that I met when I was on, pro- on probation mm-hmm. that was teaching me and teaching a class? Learned a lot of that from him. Yeah. He he recognized early on that I was different than a lot of these guys that were in this class. I had yeah. a military background. I had some lethality. Is that even a word? Uh-huh. I was able to be lethal. He realized that. He knew it wasn't my fault, but he knew why. And, and so he started working with me and saying, here's some things you can do. Try this. Do this. I want you to think of this. When you start to feel this way, I want you to do this. Right. The guy made a difference in how I handle situations now. Right. No, absolutely. And I – so kind of back we, – we, that was a cool rabbit hole. But Sorry. back to the budget <laughs> stuff, um, one of the things that, that always bugs me is the um, – So back to the F-35. This is a great case of we're, we're developing this joint um, force – strike unit thing that we're working with Canada, these other countries, to build an F-35 that can kill any plane in the air. Right. Why do we need that? We used to have this – well, we still have this thing called the F-22 that can kill anything in the air. And we used to have something before that called the F-16 that could kill anything in the air. Why do we have to keep getting better and better? It's because we're selling these to other people. (laughs) So we're selling an F-22 to somebody and now we need to build something to blow up the thing that we sold them. That whole – like if if we streamlined the military to be – you know, we don't need all of this gear. We don't necessarily need all of this gear. We don't need to be involved in these things and repurpose those – 
not just the the monetary resources, but the people that we've got trained in military discipline and all of that, and and retrain them to do some of this work that we're talking about that is important for our country. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I, I start to say, you want to make America great again. Right. That's what you do is right. you work on America and less on bombing other people right. and less on keeping other people out of the country. And like all we're make America great again apparently has translated into other countries. If I want to make my yard the nicest yard on the block. I love where you're going with this. Okay. <laughs> How do I do that? Like my dad lives up the street, okay? And he probably has one of the nicest looking lawns on the block. Mm-hmm. Why does he have the nicest looking lawn on the block? Because he round up everybody else's lawn? <laughs> no, right? But that's the easy way to do it. Well, let's just go like spray Roundup all over that guy's grass and go dig up this and we'll go. Yeah. Right. You Got know, the best like, lawn. And then now mine looks great. No, my dad has a great looking lawn because he takes time. I mean, his grass is meticulous. He puts the right mixture of grass seed down. Mm-hmm. He has it aerated. He, everything he does is focused on his lawn, yeah. the landscaping, the trees, the way the flagpole is planted. Everything is just meticulous. Uh-huh. That makes his lawn look really good. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if somebody's lawn, if somebody's down the road said, if you drove by and go, yeah, I don't think his is, I think it's that guy's down there, and my dad wouldn't get mad about it. He'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Right. I'm happy with what I got. Why don't we do that? If we want to be the nicest lawn, why don't we work on doing things that build our lawn? Why don't right. we make our country better instead of trying to tear down everybody else's? Right. That's we're going around because then you're analogy. just a bully, dude. <laughs> yeah, we're and making sure bullies. we're making yeah. sure that your lawn won't be as nice because we're just dropping. Yeah, quit pissing Roundup all over everything. <laughs> just make like focus on your stuff. Yeah, stay on your side of the street. Stay in your lawn. Yeah, stay inside your fence, build it up, make it nice. But where did my okay? So why does my dad like that? Mm-hmm. Take a guess. Military. Mm, <laughs> I think that's part of it, but yeah. it started before that. Actually, I would say no, it's not the military. I would say it's my grandfather. Oh, uh, sure. Because that's the way my grandfather was. Sure. Um, and he, because he was like that with his kids, especially his two boys, where everything had to be pristine and all this and all that. Yeah. Because he's like that, that instilled a sense of pride and taking care of your things and doing things the right way into his into all his kids. Mm-hmm. So when my dad grew up, <clears throat> left the farm, went into the military full time, attention to detail, orders, following directions was already ingrained in him yeah. by his father who was not a military guy. He was just an old farmer. Yeah. There you go. It, it made my dad successful at what he did. Yeah, he got dealt a good hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, brother. We're like two and a half in, so. Woo! I think we got to come back and revisit this and talk more about, I mean, I love where we went, but I would really like to sit and talk about how do we, as Christians, what do we look to for guidance? Yeah, Where do we look? Yeah, yeah. What you know? Sessions said, "Oh well, Romans 13, which I just was like, "Oh, right. like I wanted to grab the shirt that says that's not even what I meant." <laughs> like seriously, there's so many places we could go with that, but yeah. I think it'd be really cool to sit down and go, "Okay, so where do yeah. we look?" There's a lot of stories in the Old Testament about migration. Yes, and a lot of there's a lot, a lot of, of stories in the New Testament about show hospitality. Yeah, I'll, maybe give a, a proper exegesis of. Romans 13. Mm-hmm. And there's been a, a good a good amount of um, conversation about 
Jesus and his parents headed to Egypt as refugees. Don't start that with me. <laughs> no, because I'll go down a rabbit hole. I hate that. <laughs> no, I know. I've, I've, Jesus was, it comes out every year around Christmas. I, and I specifically did not put that in my notes because I knew if it came up, I was going to be like, no, Jesus was not a refugee. Correct. I, no, I'm not, that's, Mary and Joseph yep. were not seeking asylum. They were going home <laughs> to their place of origin by a typical government edict yeah. that didn't think about about, holy shit, we're going to bring triple the population in here, and we don't have enough hotels and places for them to stay. <laughs> right. Right, right. No, I'm, I'm oh, saying— okay. I was like, dude, no, seriously, no, no. I'm, I'm walking making, out right now. I'm actually <laughs> making the same okay. argument about Romans 13. Right. That's that's not how to read that. That's So the whole—all oh. of the, the effort that's been around Jesus as refugee, all of that— and then, you know, when you go back to Leviticus and all these things about the foreigner residing in your country, we, we have to be careful with all of that. It isn't as simple as grab it to the government. Yeah, so grab a soundbite, you know, yeah. a scripture soundbite and run with it. And, and play some theological gymnastics, flip, twist, turn. Yeah, it's, it's really just, you know what I want? I want to say that refugees are Jesus. I got a text for that. I want to say that refugees are evil and will destroy your your land. Oh, and yeah. cause, I got a text for that. I can take any text I want, and uh, that's why I said like earlier, I purposely didn't put a lot of numbers and facts and yeah. this because I can pull those from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Why Sessions said Romans thirteen? Why he why he used that? Because it talks specifically in there about submitting to your government. Yeah. But not in the way that you're saying it. It's not how that works, bro. And, and let's let's do again. Let's go to some word study. Let's talk about yeah. What is he really referring to? Which is for another time. Yeah. Yep. Let's let's wrap this up. Uh, honestly, we could do another hour. Oh, on that, I, so. could, I, I easily could. Like, <laughs> all right, brother. Thanks for coming in. If, if yep. anybody wants to find you, are you on Twitter or anything like that? Yeah, or? I'm on Twitter. What's your handle? Well, it depends on what you want to follow. I got a couple of them. Oh, so I've got one that's just Kelly underscore Lindbergh. Okay. All right. That one's that one. Where I, I play nice. Yeah, <laughs> and then I've got another one that's Angry Kelly, <laughs> at Angry Kelly, ah! and so you, you can also. I mean, there's at Angry Kelly is on Twitter. You can email it at angrykelly.com if you got something you want to. Angry Kelly, I love it. I got it like. 15 years. It's my gamer tag on Xbox One. Too. I was going to say, that's amazing. I got that you it like 15 that. years, 15, 20 years ago, 15 years ago when I started playing Xbox. Well, and it wasn't open. So it's like, yeah, it's like at Angry, angry Kelly. No under, I mean, it's just Angry, capital K E L L Y. And I've had it ever since then, and I won't let go of oh, it. Oh, you could sell that. I oh, well, I, well, my goal is I want to start like an angry. Anyway, shut the mic up. Right. I'll, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> at Angry Kelly's good. All right, dude. But you might get offended. Good. All right, dude. Thanks for coming in. We'll see you later. Yep. There you have it. Told you. Awesome, awesome episode. Uh, big thanks for Kelly coming in last minute because uh, Duncan had to cancel on me, but uh, no worries. There is no no such thing as second place in my heart for Kelly. He's always my number one, and he knows that. Uh, I love that guy. If you want to follow me um, on Twitter, my handle is at Luke underscore Tim. If you want to follow me on Instagram, same there. It's Luke underscore Tim. Facebook or email me. Um, that would be all the things with Luke Tim at gmail.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you guys and, and find out if there's something you want me to talk about or address in this podcast. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Uh, as always, till next time, be good. There's a party going on.